This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. It's the 30th of January. You've got one day to get your money into the in-lab revenue before they come round and take your cat. All right? So pay the money. You've earned it. You should have put it to one side, and you've got to pay your tax dues. I realise that not everybody wants to pay it, but as far as I'm concerned, pay it. So we found another one in Prince Andrew's family doesn't really want to work, but there again, she never did work, did she? What do they do? They just walk around, you know, looking down on us. I feel a, feel a little bit aggrieved by the whole thing. Uh, coming to Ikea, it's the meatball. No meat in it at all. And, uh, and a mother who goes to the cemetery and changes her child's grave into pink... And the council go, put it back properly. And she said, no. Where does this one go? All of that, and I've got a fantastic website for you today. I've got the website to end all websites. If you're a fan of LBC, this is the history of LBC. This goes back to 19... (coughs) whatever it is, 1974, I think. And uh, has been put together and um, by Paul Easton... Now, Paul Easton, as you know, used to work at LBC, and uh, we've all got bits of memorabilia. I've got memorabilia at home. I've got sort of milk bottles, and I've got advertising campaigns. At one time, I had all the the jackets, and I had all the T-shirts, but gradually over the years, you don't really think, do you, that you should hang on to everything. Anyway, uh, the other day, Martha Carney, who used to work for LBC as well, now is... uh, fairly big in the world of female broadcasting and uh, and it's fabulous and she keeps bees and she does honey and I've bumped into her quite a few occasions she looks exactly the same, she doesn't look any different this woman, she does not age at all anyway, she tweeted about this website and then Sam, my old producer, and I mean that in the nicest possible way said you need to see this site it's fantastic and what it's got is the history of LBC in photos it's got Gough Square, it's got the last day of Gough Square, it's got everything in there if, if you're a radio anorak, and I am not a radio anorak, I promise you, in any way, shape or form, I'm in it, but I, I don't really understand the uh, the concept of it at all. I've got no idea. I just sit in a studio, I talk into a microphone with LBC on it, and apparently it emanates in people's sitting rooms, lorries, taxis, trucks, you know, mental homes, comes up anything, I don't know, it comes to all sorts of places. You can listen to this programme and it'll either put a smile on your face or it'll wind the heck out of you. And I don't really care either way, it doesn't make any difference to me in the slightest. All I know is this time of the morning, we've got the audience. So this website, get a pen and a piece of paper because I don't intend repeating it. Ad infinitum throughout the programme. So you need to go and get a pen and a piece of paper or if you're listening on the podcast, hello, how are you? Snowed in? Of course you are, because apparently it's heading south. We've seen uh, Manchester... That, that got a bit, of a bit more than a dusting. And uh, we've seen up north, and that got quite a bit of dusting. I love the way they sent a reporter out the other day on Sky, poor soul. And they stand on a road, I think in Doncaster, which was a hill. Not really the best place. And, and they don't give her an umbrella. So she's standing there with no hat on. She's got, you know, what didn't look like a very, uh, a very warm coat. And the snow is coming down. Why don't they give her an umbrella? I've never seen these. I mean, either. She's got to be one of the dumbest reporters ever. Or they were trying to emphasise how fast the snow was coming down. Either way, you don't go out in a snow. So today I brought in an umbrella just in case. Just in case. It uh, it either snows or rains or sleets or does something on the way back. But the good news is for you, it's Friday. The good news is that uh, you can enjoy the weekend. I don't know what the weather's going to be like. We'll run through that a little bit later on. Uh, Boris Johnson has blasted the jihadis. As porn-obsessed men, that wasn't the word he used, I've had to change it to men, who can't attract women. 
I think they like holding hands, don't they, all these jihadists? I mean, jihadi John looks as gay as a goose, standing there with his little mask on and everything else. I mean, he's quite clearly, you know what he likes. You know which side of the fence he's riding his bicycle. Uh, There's also Bianca Gascoigne. Poor old Bianca, honestly. A talentless nobody who hung on to her stepfather's name because otherwise it'll be Bianca who... She's tried singing. She can't. She couldn't do that. She's tried being a celebrity. Total failure. She's tried being anything. And so the latest thing is now she's running a strip bar and she wants to be the next Peter Stringfellow. I mean, you can only feel sorry for this poor old dragon. I mean, she's got no hope whatsoever. She even used to slag off Paul Gascoigne openly in the press that, of course, as I say, better to hang on to the name, darling, than be a total nobody. A little bit embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, so you've got um, a two-page spread on her in one of the papers today. Uh, also, the boat. This is the one that you're going to want to see today. They'll do it on the radio, but you're going to need to see the picture. Because the little boat that 50 years ago took the body of Winston Churchill from London down the Thames is making the return journey. The same boat is making that journey today with members of the family on board and it will bring them to Westminster for a service of the life of Winston Churchill. Fifty years ago today, the man who undoubtedly put the great into Great Britain, Winston Churchill, for whom, I think, and it's only ever happened, you know, on a couple of occasions, the country came to a standstill for his funeral. People stood in silence on the streets, and we've all seen the funeral procession. It was just just the most amazing thing and such a tribute. And also, I think we all remember people of a certain age, his wife, Clemmy who had the thick black veil over the front. The only time I've ever seen that was when um, the Queen Mother attended somebody's funeral. She had a veil on as well. You don't see veils very often in this country at funerals. But uh, Clemmy did, and she was there. She was leading the cortege. And that little boat will make that trip again today. It's going to be a, a sight. I wonder if the cranes will uh, will go down. I don't think the cranes still exist anymore on that part of the Thames. Uh, Prince Andrew, big smiles on his face, put it all behind him now. I haven't. I still want to answer questions. I still want to know questions. I still want to answers to my questions. And I think everybody else does as well. Uh, they've had a right old go at, um, at Jordan on the spending, how she sends her kids to private school, which she pays for, but yet anything to do with Harvey... Uh, we have to pay for. And it's been going on for ages. Not new. This is not a new story, as I pointed out the other day. We've been paying for Harvey for a long, long time. And again, the papers keep going with this. She's got 45 million quid. She's got nowhere near this amount of money. She's got almost diddly squat. Seriously, she's hand-to-mouth girl. That's why she doesn't know anything about investments or anything like that. She doesn't have £45 million. She's never had 45 million quid. And if they can prove it, I'll eat the studio for you. The second thought is I only need a bit of the studio. I don't want to eat all of it. That would just be greedy, wouldn't it? Um, so Prince Andrew has resumed his public duties. Big smile. Ha, 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 ha. Let's all put it behind us. No, 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 no. Let's bring it out, back out in the open again. So now we've got the uh, the other one. The one who looks like me, horsey. Yes, here she is. Poor old Princess Beatrice. Hello. Beatrice and Eugenie. I mean, they fit so well into the Cinderella story, don't they? And so now she's quit work. Not that for 19 and a half grand a year I thought she was ever doing a job. I don't think she's, it's possible to do a job. I don't think any of them know what a job is. If Prince Andrew's idea of a job is going out, putting on a, a poncy uniform and shaking somebody's hand, well then, dear God, I must be in the biggest job in the world. Anyway, Dave Clark and, uh, and Beatrice have been on lots of holidays because Daddy's just bought the, uh, the chalet in Verbier, so that's nice, isn't it, with sort of mummy as well. Sadly, wherever Daddy goes, mummy's not far behind. And so they've actually asked Mummy, you know, so what what does Beatrice do? And uh, and Mummy said she's very busy. Her key focus is her work. What work? 
She doesn't work. She doesn't do anything. She just goes on holiday. And uh, I like the picture of her with a cigarette in her hand, which I thought was a lovely picture. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't even know they smoked. Really badless. So she's on. She, so she, she's jobless. She's on housing benefits. Feckless parents, and she lives on handouts. And you, you sort of ask yourself the question, you know, do they just inherit it from their father? He's never done a day's work in his life. I don't call what he does a day's work. Not like proper people. Not like people in the real world. But there again, Prince Andrew's never ever thought he was a, a normal person. He's always, you know, played the snooty, I'm royal and you must bow down to me kind of thing. You know, call me sir and this kind of thing. Oi, Andy. How many, how many women, mate? How many? You, know, you want the, the questions you want answered. You know, answers to the very simple questions. You know, when you were with Vicky Hodge on that island. What was that like? What was that like? You know, Vicky Hodge, you'll need to Google and find out exactly what the story was. It was quite an interesting one. She was sort of, um, they went away and they had sort of rumpy-pumpy all over the place. And now the the, uh, the nude pictures of Prince Andrew surfaced, of Andrew standing under a, a waterfall, stark, naked, with everything on display. I sent a letter of sympathy. I'm so sorry, you know. And, uh, and then along comes uh, Sarah Ferguson. She'd been with... Uh, I think Paddy McNally for years and years and years. And then for some reason, Andrew, but apparently we are led to believe, this is what the gossip in royal circles, and you can check it out on Google as well, they both used to tell jokes about breaking wind. And apparently that was what attracted them. And then you looked at Sarah Ferguson and she just looked like the hefty hideaway girl, didn't she? There she was doing the It's a Royal Knockout, making a complete buffoon of herself, and she's continued to do that ever since. At the moment she's flogging... um, liquidizers in America. I think it's part of the Duchess collection. Nothing like capitalising on it. And let's face it, she does capitalise. And presumably uh, Beatrice will follow in the same way. I mean, she's only 20-something. And already she's, uh, she's not working. You'd think, actually, she'd want to really knuckle down and do something, wouldn't you? You'd think she'd want to be a credit to her grandmother because they appear on enough blooming programmes talking about the Queen. You know, Granny does this and Granny does that. Of course, Granny is far too polite to turn around and go, my God, you're ugly. You know, and you really should get a job, you know. Even Prince Philip is working at the age of 90-something. And here's Beatrice, jobless. So when sort of mummy, Sarah Ferguson, says her key focus is her work, and, um... Oh, this is a spokesman for Sarah Ferguson, so I'm I'm sort of semi-quoting her. He also said she will continue to be in business and balance that with her royal duties. Wouldn't you feel mortally disappointed? We've got a royal turning up. Fantastic. Who is it? Beatrice. Oh, God, are you sure? Yeah, Beatrice is turning up. Can we have Edward? At least we can poke fun at him. I mean, come on, we don't want Beatrice. Hello, hello. Oh, no, don't want that kind of thing at all, do we? I must tell you the story about... um, about the mum and the baby in the cemetery. It's, it's, a, it's a bit heart-rending, but it does happen. It's not the first time I've heard of stories like this. I think when Baby P died, people were hanging teddy bears from trees and all sorts of things. And I think after a while, the cemetery said, listen, it just, it's, it, this is upsetting for other people. You know, if you're in a, a cemetery now and there are hard and fast rules, I know it seems a bit, a bit harsh, but the rule is that you have to adhere. You cannot cover graves with uh, all sorts of toys and ornaments and stuff like that. They just don't want it there. They think it spoils the look of it. And I am, on one half, inclined to agree. On the other, on the other side, I'm thinking to myself, but that's, that's where these people want to go. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I don't, I don't believe in this, you know, your soul goes up to heaven malarkey. I think you're just all there in the ground, and it's either you're dust to dust, ashes to ashes, or you're going to be cremated, in which case you're just ashes. And I don't believe anything. I think the person is where you want them to be. If you want them to be in your heart, they're in your heart. Want them to be in the bedroom, they're in the bedroom. You know, I don't believe going to some, you know, windswept cemetery 
you know, with a lot of miserable-looking gravestones is the answer to it. But if that's what makes people happy, then fair enough. I'm not the person to complain about that. Unfortunately, this lady went a little bit too far. And I'll tell you why, and why she's putting her foot down as well. Steve Allen on LBC. Nick Ferrari and the team at Seven as the Met Police Commissioner, Sir Bernard Hogan-Howe, says that he thinks firearms officers need more training to use bigger guns that would tackle terrorists, similar to those seen in Paris. Nick will be asking, should we actually be arming more of our police officers anyway? And 50 years ago, 350 million people watched that landmark event in Great Britain's history, the funeral of Sir Winston Churchill. Nick will be talking to his granddaughter, Celia Sandys, who has fond memories of her time spent with him, and asking, why don't they make politicians like that anymore? That's Nick Ferrari tomorrow. Today. Tomorrow. If he came in tomorrow, it'd be a bit of a miracle. So he's in today after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. At seven, Vincent Moss, uh, political editor of the Sunday Mirror, will be looking at the papers. I did a, a documentary on Chartwell, uh, Winston's uh, family home, which his friends bought for him, and where he did all his paintings. I was, always, I was so disappointed. The place where he painted is so tiny. It really is. It's like going to the London Palladium for the first time, having seen it on the telly and going, wow, it looks enormous. And then you go inside and you go, oh, not as big as I thought it was. And then do you remember I told you I bought this uh, this DVD, Peter Ustinov, so Peter Ustinov, on the Orient Express. And I couldn't be more disappointed if I tried. Seriously, I mean, having the only reason I bought it is because having stood on Richmond Station the other day and watched the sister train to the Orient Express uh, thundering through steam and whoosh and this and smoke. and Oh, God, it was the most amazing thing. It's like being transported back into time. The train that they've used on this, this Orient Express looks like a modern electric train. It looks so disappointing. I was expecting to see, you know, a steam train. Perhaps I haven't watched enough of the video. Perhaps it morphs into a steam train further down the line. But I was really disappointed. I looked at it and thought, oh, God, that's a bit dull. The rest of it looks fantastic. Anyway, here is the story of Jade Beadie. Jade Beadie is 24. Round the arms, by the look of it. She's absolutely enormous. Anyway, uh, she uh, had a stillborn daughter, I think. And so her uh, name was Tanya. And she lost 39 weeks into her pregnancy. And so they, they have a grave and they've got flowers on it. And she's replaced all the stones with pink stones. The headstone is all pink writing. And there's, there's pink everything. Pink flowers, pink, you name it. It's there. Uh, cemetery officials. And I can tell you where this is. This is in a place called Kidlington. Now, I don't know where Kidlington is. But uh, it's obviously a special place for her. And uh, they've said, you've got to get rid of the bright adornments. They wrote a letter to her. And they said, the land is supposed to be retained as a rural site and the proliferation of trinkets does not sustain that appearance. And they've asked Miss Beadle to clear the grave by the weekend, but she and her partner, Sandeep Bidia, have refused to comply. Bit unwise. Miss Beadle, who works for Tesco, explained, the rules are ridiculous. It's a heartless thing to ask anybody to do. Now, before we go any further, let me just explain to Miss Beadle, who quite clearly, you know, doesn't quite understand. Rules, I know they say, are made to be broken. But if a cemetery has got rules, then you have to adhere to them. If, if you don't like it, well, then you should have gone somewhere else. You must have checked, surely, with the rules of the cemetery on what you can put on a grave and, and how it has to be done. You have to, you have to adhere to it. We, uh, when my parents died, I didn't want a grave. I had no intention of burying them, and my parents didn't want to be buried either. They wanted to be cremated. So that was what we did. And in one of the cemeteries, um, uh, oh, it was the, the crematorium, we went there, 
And you can either have them giving you back your ashes, in which case, what do you do with them? You know, you can't start hawking them around the world, can you? So uh, so we said we'll just have a general scattering. So they did the scattering. And, uh, and then you pay for a plaque and a rose tree. And so we had this little plaque done and the rose tree. And in a, in a crematorium, the rules are that every, I think it's every two years, they dig the rose tree up, throw it away, and you buy another one. So it keeps the thing ticking over. Now, I was always told by all the gardening experts that the longer a rose tree is in the ground, the more it grows and the better it is. Not in crematoriums, they dig them up. So after four years, I decided that this was kind of a waste of time. You know, I wanted the same rose bush there that we planted, you know, when we'd done the scattering. And so we didn't bother. We didn't bother paying for it again. Because as far as I'm concerned, my mother's not there. She's wherever I wanted to be. As far as I'm concerned at the moment, she's in a photograph. And that's it. I'm not, I'm not sort of bothered about going back to the crematorium. But in the case of a stillborn baby, then there's probably something there. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know why pink, you know, but there you go. That's what she thought, pink. And um, an online petition started by a friend of the couple has gained more than 3,500 signatures. Uh, she says, all we have left at Christmas and birthdays is to buy her new bits for the grave, but we're not allowed to get anything. No, it's the same. Unfortunately, it's the same for, for everybody, Jade, on this one. And uh, this this uh, website tells potential supporters, when you lose someone you love, it leaves a huge well of pain and hurt inside you. Sometimes having a grave gives you something to do to keep busy. Well, it does, but they have rules in cemeteries. Otherwise, you might as well just put floodlights around it and have disco music playing. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So it's, it's ridiculous of you, Jay, to say that it's a heartless thing to ask anybody to do. They've got rules. They've got rules. And the rules are you cannot do this. David Betts, the chairman of Kidlington Parish Council, which owns the cemetery, said the authority had to be consistent. We have a set of rules, he said, in order that we can provide some uh, sensitivity in a private place where people can visit in quiet tranquillity. The rules ban pot plants, toys, statues and lights that allow floral tributes to be laid immediately after the funeral. So if you don't like it, go and put her somewhere else. That's, that, that, that's the simple thing. But do not sit there... And say, you know, it's a ridiculous rule. If you don't like it, then, then do, do the other option. You can do it. You know, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. But I can understand. They own the cemetery. They're not renting it. They own it. It's up to them to decide, you know, what rules they have. And harsh though they might seem, you know, for anybody listening like this, it might be terribly harsh. But if you don't like it, sod off, as they say. Go do it somewhere else. Because if you had the grave next to it, you know, you might not like this kind of thing. You might think it cheapens it. You might think it looks a bit chavvy. You might think it looks a bit ridiculous. But that's obviously what makes her happy. Unfortunately, they've now dragged Tesco into it, which doesn't help, does it? You know, what difference it makes where she works, I've got no idea. They say she works for Tesco. Tesco being like, don't drag us into it, please. Please. Ridiculous. So where this one ends, I don't know. Are the council going to back down? Shouldn't think so. They've got rules. They own it. They own it. A lot of people um, trying to save the dinosaur. I mean, to be honest with you, it's the biggest waste of space I've ever read in a newspaper. Yesterday, we got a, people getting excited. Oh, it's wonderful. They're going to replace Dippy the dinosaur for a blue whale skeleton. They've had a blue whale in there for ages. It's only a model of one. It gives you a rough idea of how big they are. And so they're getting rid of a dinosaur. Admittedly, it's only plaster of Paris. It's not actually a dinosaur. They don't actually have the dinosaur, OK? It's just kind of made up. 
kind of thing. But people look at it and go, wow, that's what a dinosaur looked like. No, this is what a plaster of Paris dinosaur looked like. So they're going to take it all out, presumably dismantle it and put it into boxes, and stick up the skeleton of a blue whale. It's a way to end your life, isn't it? So one minute you're swimming around the ocean, next minute you're suspended from the ceiling of the Natural History Museum. So already thousands of people have signed up to save Dippy the dinosaur. They don't want it to go. They like the dinosaur being there. And I wonder whether or not people power might get them to change their mind. It's going to take until 2017 to do this. I might not even be alive to see a blue whale hanging from the ceiling. But uh, now that there's an online thing going and, and people say, we don't, listen, we don't want a blue whale. You can see they're still alive. Dinosaurs aren't. And this gives kids an idea of what, of what a dinosaur skeleton would look like if it existed. You know, that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, I mean, which is going to be more awesome? The skeleton of a blue whale or the so-called skeleton of Dippy? And the answer is Dippy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave it alone. Stop wasting money. Stop wasting everybody's time. Grow up, get over yourselves. Because to be honest with you, I wouldn't like to imagine how much this is costing. You know, the next thing is they'll be launching an appeal, you know, to sort of fund putting the whale in there. I advise people, don't. Don't. Let's not go for that. We don't want that kind of thing. We really don't. We just want what we had before. We want the dinosaur. We want to go into the Natural History Museum and go, you go to the Natural History Museum because it's got dinosaurs. Not going in there because it's got a blue whale skeleton. I mean, that's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? little bit embarrassing. Uh, other stories in the uh, the papers today. Um, oh, I got here. Oh, dear. Yes, Millie's hairy legs. This is Millie McIntosh. Uh, they, they claim that she's the Quality Street heiress. It's a load of old balderdash, I'm afraid. As usual, you know, Paris Hilton, heir to the Hilton. No, she's not. OK? Her parents were estate agents. She's not heiress to anything. They sold the Hilton chain off years ago. Did she get any money? No, she didn't. But it's, it's, it's typical lazy, shoddy journalism. If you really believe that Millie McIntosh, because she's got the name McIntosh, is going to inherit the, all those Quality Street, you've got another thing coming. OK? Let's just get it right. It's like saying, you know, um, it's like saying, well, the, the classic one is Jordan, isn't it? 45 million. She's not worth 45 million. Five, if at a push. Anyway, she posted a photograph, this is Millie McIntosh, of herself in Marrakesh, only to discover, if you look carefully, that she's got hairy legs. Now, of course, this is, this is OK if you're a man, but if you're Millie McIntosh, you know, people were sort of saying, people were writing on her Twitter, why are your legs so hairy? You know, I mean, who in the hell doesn't shave the top of their legs? And all this kind of stuff. I mean, to be honest with you, she's got a small forest going on there. Now, my auntie Enid, who lived to the age of 97, grew quite an impressive moustache. Only because she wouldn't go and have anything waxed. But um, so Millie, who's in Africa for a photo shoot, says here, it's laughable that people feel the need to comment, you know, about hairy legs. Well, you put yourself out there, darling. You were the one who craves the publicity. We don't care a stuff. Nobody gives a forex about your hairy legs, really. But you're the one who keeps publishing these pictures of yourself. I mean, dear. God, honestly, it's a bit dreary, isn't it, really? A lot of you still uh, commenting on uh, on HRH and exactly what job some members of the royal family actually do. And, um, and, and you sort of think to yourself, you know, well, pfft, I don't know what they do. I really don't. I really don't. I wish I did. I wish I did. I think they just go out there and shake hands and put on frocks. And that's it. And then the rest of the time, it's just, it's a bit boring. I've got a great story for you, though. This is a story of sort of friends. And as you know, um, you know, people who, people who are friends can be friends forever until money 
comes into it. And in this particular case, it was a lot of money. And the friendship went out the window. And I'll tell you why it ended up in court. And now one person's feeling a bit miffed, and the other person's feeling very happy. Time now, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning. Everybody's agreeing with you this morning about the cemetery and the fact that it's offensive to a lot of other people. If you don't like somebody's rules, then go somewhere else. So I'm glad we all agree on that one. Don't forget, you need a pen and a piece of paper because I've got uh, a website for you, uh, which, if you're an LBC fan, will... Well, there might be ex-LBC people listening, in which case it's going to be a fabulous trip down memory lane. And for many of you, you can see the, the origins of LBC, and it's fantastic. I got myself into dreadful trouble, as you probably know. Uh, when LBC was in Gough Square, I was, uh, I was the sort of person who used to just wind people up, even back in those halcyon days. In fact, one of our presenters, Mike Dickin, used to have an aversion at Christmas to musical Christmas cards. He hated musical Christmas cards. If he opened a card up and he started going, and that kind of stuff, or it did Merry Christmas or Sleigh Ride or whatever it was. So I used to get these cards, take out the little, the little thing that played the tune. It was always very high and squeaky, and hide it behind a blackboard in his office. It used to drive him mad, because he couldn't get it out without unscrewing the blackboard, so I used to do that. Anyway, on the very last day that we were there, they said, oh, somebody's coming in to, uh, to take over the building, and they dismantled all of the studios. Our new studios, studios had been built elsewhere, and so we had a party. I think you might even find some pictures on this website I'm going to give you details of shortly, uh, of the party. And I went round with a pot of paint and I graffitiized the building. I went round, I wrote my name everywhere, wrote rude words, did everything. I couldn't care less. I thought, we're not going to be here tomorrow, who cares? And I went round and I put paint all over everything. I sprayed this, I sprayed that. I had a great time. And people took pictures of it and it was fantastic. Anyway, next day we move into our new building. And uh, I had a, a lunchtime show. And my boss calls me in and uh, he said, uh, Steve, he said, um, we have a slight problem. I said, oh yeah. What's that? He said, uh, did you... He said, I expect you to tell, tell me the truth. He said, did you graffitiise the building? So I said... I, d I smiled. I went, yep, I certainly did. And he said, yes, he said, the new owners went in there this morning, he said, and they're absolutely horrified. They were hoping to better move people in today. He said, they've given us a bill for £10,000 for the cleaning up of it. So he said, how would you like to pay? So of course, I laughed. I la as you do. Ha! Ah! I laughed in the face of £10,000. I don't even think I was earning £10,000 at the time. But he said, um, he said, we thought we would take it back out of, your, out of your wages each month. So I said, right. He said, it's, I'm very serious. He said, they're absolutely livid. He said, they were hoping to start making money out of the office block today. So I said, right. He said, it's not funny. I said, no, it's not funny. And at that moment, I was sort of caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. I didn't know whether he was winding me up or not. And uh, he said, well, you, you, you can go back. You know, to your, to your desk down, you know, do, do your programme. He said, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss how we're going to get the money back later. So I walked out thinking, £10,000, £10,000. Might have to raid my little piggy bank for that one. And then he called me back, he went, April Fool! <laughs> it was then that I pushed him out the window. And I thought, don't mess with me, pal. Can't bear jokes like that. <laughs> he said, it was only joke. He said, we thought it was funny too. He said, they've now had to decorate the whole place. He said, but we didn't care anyway. And I think these pictures might be on this site. You're going to, you, seriously, you do need a pen and a piece of paper. Don't, don't send me a text after I've read this thing out saying, can you repeat it again? Because I've given you forewarning now. I'm not going to be repeating it. OK, you just have to have to get it first time round. Glenn says, uh, Steve, my surname is Mason. Does that mean I'm going to inherit Fortnum and Mason's? Oh, they always put things like that. Don't they? they love a tag in the media. They love a tag. You know, so-and-so is going to inherit the Hilton change. I mean, she's not going to inherit anything at all. 
She really isn't. She's far too stupid for that. Far too stupid. Um, other one here, uh, which says, uh, in the Metro, there have been stories about Prince Andrew. There are always are stories about Prince Andrew. Randy Andy, that's what he's called. He's not called Randy Andy because he does daisy chains and eats dolly mixtures, is he? He's called Randy Andy because he likes the old ladies. That's what he's there for. You know, he was the good-looking one, and the papers stupidly bigged him up on it. You know, here's Randy Andy again out with another girl in the surf doing this. They tried to do it with Prince Charles, but, of course, nobody ever thought Prince Charles was good-looking. So when he managed to get Diana, people go, how did he manage that? You go, because he's heir to the throne, that's why. Anyway, here is the story of friendship that went horribly wrong. I have to tell you the paper, because a friend of mine who works for a radio station said, it's driving me mad every morning, he said, listening to your programme. He said, and you come up with a, with a story... He said, and I think, I'll do that. He said, and when I come in, I have to say, say to my producer, can you find the story that Steve Allen spoke about this morning? So this one's in the Express, page 21, OK? And it's a waiter. He bought a lottery ticket uh, for Euro Millions after dreaming that he was counting cash. He dreamt that he counted cash. So in January 2012, Fatih Ozkan... I think that's how he pronounced it. I'm so sorry if it's not, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. And imagined he was holding a bundle of money with his employer, who was called, let's just call him Havati. The next day, Mr Ozcan convinced him they should buy a Euro Millions ticket together. But after they won, and they won a million pounds, the boss tried to pretend it was his. Last year, a court heard that Mr Ozcan had pestered uh, his friend, Havati, into sharing the cost of a ticket. Uh, apparently, Havati took money from the till of the Cappadocia Turkish restaurant in York and gave it to Mr Ozcan to pay for his half of a ticket. Despite a judge ruling the pair should split the money, uh, Mr Havati appealed. Unfortunately, a judge at London's Civil Appeal Court upheld the earlier ruling. Lord Justice Pitchford said that uh, Havati... Uh, his bid to challenge the decision had no real prospect of success. And so he's had to hand over the money because he's crooked. And so he's, the other bloke gets his uh, half a million quid. It's good. Yesterday, Lord Justice Pitchford dismissed the appeal, saying, I see no real prospect of the Court of Appeal reaching a different conclusion. So there you go. Because what his uh, boss wanted to do was take all the money and send it back to Turkey. Which, of course, is illegal. And uh, so they actually got it. So he got his half a million pounds. I don't think he's working at the restaurant anymore. I don't think he'll be there. I don't think they'll want him around. Because he's got half a million quid. Why would he want to... Why would he want to, you know, work for somebody who's who's that that crooked? That crooked. Not so good. There's a, a relationship guru in the paper. How do you get your man, ladies? Pay for dinner on the first date. Sleep with him straight away. Or make the first call afterwards. Because there was a, a rather unkind quote in the paper the other day, which you remember, we talked about the super brothel, which is in Stuttgart, I think, which is all perfectly legal, but you just feel a bit sorry for a bunch of brasses all sitting together in the same thing, looking a bit lonely. But apparently loads of German men go to brothels, far more than in this country. And uh, they, they think it's quite normal. So you can go there, you can have a drink, um, and you can watch a girl dance, you can pay for a lap dance, or they can entice you upstairs. They have to, it costs you something like... 59 quid to get in. The girls have to pay 59 quid a day as well, but they get whatever money they earn in their private bedrooms. It's a bit seedy, I realise. But anyway, the man who owns the brothel, somebody said to him in this interview, do you think that uh, you would ever have a super brothel over in this country, over in the United Kingdom? And he said, and I quote nearly, I shouldn't think so. You can walk into any pub and pull any fat bird straight away. And to be honest with you, 
they don't really have pubs in some of these places as we have. They have bars, but you don't find people hanging around. They just go there to drink. Whereas the majority of British men, heterosexuals, go out to have a drink in a pub and see if they can pull... Especially tonight. Tonight is, you know, try and find something for the weekend. That's what they say. And so you meet somebody in a bar and you hello. And they go, <laughs> and they go, would you like to come, come back for a coffee? And I always think that's a bit of a cheat, really, because you never get the cup of coffee, do you? But that's what it is. And I, I felt a little bit miffed, the fact that he'd, he'd even suggested that British women were that easy. I mean, they're not that easy. Most of them are quite easy, but not, not totally, totally easy. Uh, Daily Star this morning, benefits mum, why should I work? Oh, I agree, darling. I mean, looking at you, don't look as if you're actually capable of doing anything at all, apart from producing children. Maybe actually keeping your legs together might be helpful in the first place. I'm only guessing. Only guessing. Uh, Davy Boy Beckham has done an interview with uh, a US talk show host called Jimmy Kimmel. I've never even heard of him. Is he big? Is he famous? All right. So Davy Boy Beckham did one of his hello kind of interviews where you sort of go, is, is that really your voice? Yes, it is. Oh, right. Uh, do, do, do people laugh in England? Sometimes. You know, and that's poor old David Beckham. And then he admitted that uh, that his daughter, Harper, who's a fat little thing, thinks that he's got chubby since he quit football. Good God in heaven. Uh, poker, uh, apparently, um, his, his daughter, Harper, poked fun at his flab. How old is this child? Ridiculous, isn't it? But anyway, David Beckham was what well, he must have been flogging something. They don't ask me about football. It was years ago he was playing football. Nobody even bothers with things like that now. We're more interested in the Big Brother house, aren't we? You know, is somebody going to kill Katie Hopkins? Because she's now looking boring. And uh, Keith Chegwin. I mean, I, I don't really know what we do with Keith Chegwin. I don't think this has been the wisest move of his career. Nadia Sawala, <laughs> she leaps she leaps and bounds all over the place. One minute we love her, the next minute we don't love her, and now we love her again. Callum Best, he started bragging. He's got to that stage where he's got no talent and he's got no personality. Cammy Lee, well, the soon as she's back dancing around a pole, the happier men will be. Miss Michelle Visage, I, I really don't know anything about her and I'm not bothered. Love Paris Hilton. Kavanagh is just mind-numbingly boring. That's the worst thing you can say about somebody. They're mind-numbingly boring. You know, we thought Patsy Kensett was dull. Alicia Duval was just cracked. Uh, Chloe Goodman, talentless. Alexandra O'Neill, in the dark ages. Ken Morley, everybody knew he was like that anyway. And Jeremy Jackson, because he undid the dressing gown of Chloe Goodman and she went into meltdown. She's a glamour model. She think, think if the photographer says to her, OK, would you like to uh, take take the bra off now? She goes, don't talk to me like that. You know, I mean, I just wonder about the, the, the mentality of some of these people. Uh, so we're still waiting, aren't we, as well? John's threat, Jihadi John. That'll be the camp one who wears all black, looking like some peculiar little, uh, as uh, Boris Johnson calls them. They're all a bit pervy, aren't they, these people? And uh, he says, he says, if, if, you don't, if you don't like me, why don't you fly out to Syria and I'll behead all of you? Oh, no, you know that if we fly out to Syria and you took your little mask off, your parents are going to go, good grief, it's our son! Which is what we all thought in the first place. Here's the um, the single mum of eight. Um, it's funny, actually, because she's only obviously just decided to be single mum of eight because she's got a baby. So where is the where is the man? Where is the man? She's in Birmingham, and apparently she's already been in another programme. She was pictured with White D. Perhaps all these people like getting together to compare notes on how easy it is to get money out of the government. Can't believe it. Anyway, she slammed David Cameron, because she's a bit thick, isn't she? As I say, maybe if you'd sellotape your legs together, love, we wouldn't be in this perilous situation. So you've got eight children. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight. 
And who do you propose is going to pay for them? If I was Mr Cameron, I wouldn't give you any benefits at all. That's your problem. Get your old man to pay for them, OK? Get the one who's got you up the duff all the time. This was the woman who splashed out at Christmas a thousand quid in debt to buy all the kids' presents. She doesn't work. She's a lazy old so-and-so. And so she says here, I was very shocked when I heard David Cameron's plans for capping. Really? You wait till you hear mine, darling. Take it all away from you. Get you off your fat bum and get you out there working. Get the kids up chimneys. You know, put them in foster care. What's the, what is the point of having children? What an irresponsible little so-and-so you must be. You've had all these children with no means of supporting them. No man in sight. There's a big surprise, dear. There's a big surprise. I bet he's a looker, isn't he? Do you think he's off with another woman getting her pregnant as well? And then the other one the other day, 26 children with 15 different women. And he says, why are people picking on me? <laughs> I've, I've failed to understand the, the question, let alone the answer. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, coming up 11 minutes to five. It's Friday, so we love the weekend. So far, we've got no snow. Not saying we aren't going to have any snow, but at the moment, it's fine. I believe Noreen had some the other day, and then they get home, and they discover that the hot water in the boiler had packed up. It's your worst nightmare. It is your worst, worst nightmare. I have every sympathy. I, I can't imagine in this weather how bad that must be. Uh, Helen says, my friend's stepfather didn't have a funeral at all, just a private, non-religious service with his wife. Then in the summer following his death, we all met up for a musical celebration, and he also left parts of his body to be used to help others, and every year his family and the recipients meet for a party to celebrate his life. See, I think that's good. I mean, to be honest with you, I couldn't care less what they do with me after I'm dead. Use me as a guy in Guy Fawkes. I'm, I'm really not bothered, not remotely bothered about anything like that. Want to use me eyes, use me eyes. I don't deliverably much good, but you can try. Uh, 84850... Steve at LBC. Trevor says we lost our little girl at six months. Walking into a cemetery, standing with the family, watching a tiny casket go into the ground. We need a place of dignity, not something over-decorated, pink, lit up. Seeing that nearby would have been too upsetting. The woman needs to understand the cemeteries for all who mourn, not just her. Yes, it's the, it's the... I mean, I can see both sides of it. I understand where she's coming from. You know, I might think that, but I mean, I think that in that cemeteries are supposed to be, I know they're a place of mourning, but to be brutally honest, you know, after a while, people just don't even go, do they? People don't go. That's why you see graves that are untended, you know, they're overgrown. You see a few because families move away and they don't go there anymore. That's why I think maybe, you know, a cremation is better. That's just my personal opinion. Everybody's got a different opinion on it. So I understand where she's coming from. It's just that if I was the grave next door, I'd be going, listen, we want it to look really nice. We don't want it to look tacky. You know, and it does look tacky. And, you know, as she said, you know, the rules are ridiculous. But they're rules. That's what they're called, rules. Perhaps that's why she works in Tesco. I don't know. Perhaps they don't understand things like that. I find it a bit worrying, you know, as indeed many of you would, I think. Uh, 84850, Paul says, My dad was in the Navy and on the Royal Yet Britannia in the 70s. He said, out of all of them, Prince Andrew was the most stuck up and rude. Well, I remember that when he worked for some... I can't remember what it was. It was one, one place he worked at. He, um, he insisted on everybody, all the people who were his sort of equal on it, if equal could be the right uh, terminology, to call him Sir. He liked being called Sir. He likes the idea that he's in the royal family, whereas I always thought he was a bit of a waste of space. But that's just my opinion, isn't it? Everybody's got an opinion about the royal family. Don't get me wrong. You know, I absolutely love the royal family. I don't like all of them. I think some of them are so out of touch with, uh, with real people. I find it slightly disturbing. And uh, another one here. Uh, oh, it's from, um, is this one? I think it's Kevin the Milkman who says, it's a touchy subject about the pink grave and the jobs worth imposing the rules. In my opinion, if no one who visits relatives' graves have complained about it, then leave it. Maybe somewhere in the future when emotions are lowered, then ask if she could tone it down a bit. 
I mean, I, I just don't, you know, I don't quite get people putting stuff on graves and things like that. I don't see it really solves it because we've had people nicking from graves before, so nobody's got any respect anymore, have they? I met Dorman Dom yesterday. My God, he's even bigger than I am. Even bigger than I am. And the car, I mean, frankly, I mean, that could go into an auction immediately. Uh, if you want to get an Orient Express DVD, there is a shop in Lower Marsh, right next door to Waterloo Station. I was so disappointed with this one, Steve. So disappointed. I, I sat down, I, I thought, but where is the big steam train? Where is it? Where is it? Somebody writing in says, I, I'm not sure what I like most about the Steve Allen show. The bitchiness, the sarcasm or the common sense. Probably all of it, actually. And then the same person says, since discovering Steve Allen's early breakfast show, I actually get excited when I wake up at 4am. I feel roughly the same. I get roughly excited as, as well in the morning. I do sit there. And in fact, this morning I got excited thinking, it's Friday. It's Friday. What am I going to do? It's Friday. I was very good yesterday. I had spare ribs. I don't really think that uh, that I should uh, be eating spare ribs. But I didn't. I didn't even have... I just had one little set of them. Uh, I saw the mum of eight from Birmingham on the television, Steve. Uh, some dad for all the kiddies, but he doesn't live with them, apparently. Yeah, he used to visit daily. Now he just does weekends. Uh, quick enough to pop round and keep uh, keep sleeping with her, by the look of it. He said he gives us some money when he has some spare. I know. It's so sweet, isn't it? And then we have to pick up the tab. As far as I'm concerned, now you go round and you go, how many, how many of these kids can you actually afford to look after? Yourself. Uh, well, if I get a job, well, probably two. OK, let's take the others into, into homes. You know, frankly, that's your doing. You've made them end up this way. Imagine these poor kids deprived throughout their life because their lazy, slobby, good-for-nothing mother couldn't be bothered to use contraception. Really annoys me. Really annoys me. Talking of things annoying me, Danielle Lloyd, Daily Star, page 15. Remember Danielle Lloyd? Remember the racist who abused Jade Goody in the Big Brother house and then tried to sort of forget about it? Not me. Not me. She's flogging handbags on her fashion website. It's hilarious. Fashion website and Danielle Lloyd. The two, two just don't go together, do they? Unfortunately, these have, as a, as a clasp at the top, a knuckle duster. I mean, yeah, I know, you heard correctly, a knuckle duster. Campaigners have called for them to be uh, shelved because it's glorifying violence. She sells them for 20 quid, so it's obviously a really upmarket website. In, uh, in Madrid, they're being confiscated by police. A spokesman of Danielle refused to comment. What do you mean, refused to comment? OK, Danielle, get these off your website, OK? Don't have to tell you again, dear. Just try and be an intelligent person. We know you're not, but at least try, for goodness sake, as you move into sort of adulthood at the age of 31. I know it's a bit late, but, you know, might work, might work. Don't forget, I've got this fantastic website for you, fantastic website, which is, um, which is, uh, which is all to do with LBC. And it's very clever because it's been put together by Paul Easton. And do you remember I said we had um, uh, we had LBC's anniversary a short while ago? So we had two parties. There was one current party, which had a lot of the good and the great. And then there was another party for all the ex-employees of LBC, which was held down in Fleet Street. And that was like that was like walking into a mausoleum. That was like walking into a place where you went, oh, my God, I know these. I know every one of these people. And they knew me. Because, you know, we've all kind of grown up with it. But the saddest thing, the saddest moment for me was uh, they had a film show and they showed you little clips and, and people talking. And it was it was very interesting. And then they said, and now those we lost. And they then went through a, a cast list of all the people who used to work for LBC who've, who've passed on. And that, that list grows ever bigger every year. One of these years, I'm going to be on it as well. So at least I'll have achieved something. But this uh, this website... Uh, it comes with a lot of memories, and it'll be it'll be very educational for you. If you like LBC, you're going to like this website. So get a pen and a piece of paper, 
and uh, I'll give it to you uh, very, very shortly. Um, somebody says, I hear you're going to lunch with Susanna Reid. Yes, yes, apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> very much looking forward to. I had a dream about her. Don't tell her, for goodness sake. I had a dream about her the other night. I dreamt. This is, this is, this is so bizarre, this dream. This is so bizarre. Ever since Susanna Reid started stalking me, and somebody said, is this one of these, is this a fake, you know, thing before so that you can sort of kiss and make up and everything else? And I said, well, you know, you must judge it the way you see it. But anyway, in my dream, we go out on the town. There's me, Susanna, uh, my friend Michael, who's uh, O'Brien's producer. And, uh, and we end up in town. And then I say, would you like to come back to my place for a cup of coffee? And Susanna Reid says to me, in my dream, it's not real, in my dream, do you live in London? And I go, yeah. She says, have you got a flat? And I go... I've got a house. And she goes, where is it? And I go, we're standing outside it. And we're standing outside a door just in Charing Cross Road. And she goes, you live here? And I go, you wait till you see it. And we go in and there's a lift and it takes us up into my sitting room, which is huge. And it's full of artworks and everything else. And Susanna Reid looks at me and she goes, you live here? And I go, yep, sure do. And she goes, wow, it's even nicer than my house. And I go, is it? And then the next thing, we're cuddling on the settee, and then I woke up, which was probably just as well, because I started feeling a bit queasy at that moment. But isn't that funny that you have a dream about somebody? I don't generally dream about people I know, but in this particular occasion, there she was. Mind you, Michael was even more impressed by the place, even more. I I should point out, incidentally, I do not have a house in London, but I have looked at a number. Uh, as you do, you know, when the lottery comes up, you think, just imagine if it was me, if it was me. My husband Jim and I are listening to you in the car, says Sally. Whilst travelling up north from West Drayton, destination Glencoe in the Highlands for a holiday to celebrate my birthday. She's 511. Sorry, 51. I do beg your pardon. It's an exclamation mark after it. She says, as a big snow lover, I'm so excited and wondered where we were going to spot the first bit of white stuff. So we thought we'd leave early in case we need to use the shovel, if only. Good old DAB means I can still listen to you whilst up there, which will be fabulous. I've got to have my Steve fix every day. And... uh, Thank you for the years of laughter and hello to Noreen, Neil and the gang, says Sally. When I met uh, Dorman Dom the other day, he said, I've waited 15 years to meet you. I wasn't sure to be pleased or not. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, 84850, steve at uk. Um, so we're all we're not divided at all over this this grave thing. We're sort of uh, only one or two people say that perhaps they should they should reconsider. You know, perhaps they could compromise, says Andy. And reserve a corner of the cemetery for people with seriously bad taste. I don't know. (laughs) That sounds even worse. Sounds even worse. Alan says, I loved Princess Margaret. She was real. She loved a booze-up, smoked like a trooper and loved the men. Well, she did love a booze-up. It was nightmare going to her place for dinner because you can't leave the royal's presence until they decide to go to bed. And once she decided to sort of, you know, have have a session, she used to collect seashells. Did you know that? She collected. She had a big collection of seashells, which she used to dust every day. How dull was that woman? How dull was that woman? And uh, another one here. I'm currently lying in a hospital bed, says Janet. I get all sorts of people on this programme. Having had a complete knee replacement, hurting like hell, and I've sworn at it throughout the night. So far, glad to hear your observations of life this morning have cheered me up a little bit. <laughs> yes, people have often said Steve Allen's show should be available on the NHS. Still to come on the programme, we've got the news at uh, five o'clock this morning. You won't believe this story. Drivers uh, at an NCP car park have been fined for putting their tickets on the wrong place on the dashboard. Oh, God.
I always worry when I put the ticket on the dashboard, you close the door, is it going to blow off again? Coming to Ikea very soon, the meatball. No meat. BA cut air mile points for economy flights. The 12-year-old boy who boasts of going to court. Britain's big six energy suppliers raking in the biggest profits ever. Prince Andrew resumes public duties. You'd never believe anything had gone on at all. The work-shy Princess Beatrice. And Julie Walters turns down Downton Abbey. Why? I'll tell you in a moment. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Born. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Friday, the 30th of January. You've got to get that uh, money into the tax man. You want to be fined, do you? And you should have filed by... God, you must have filed by now. The March of the Migrant Voter. For the first time in history, people born abroad will be in the majority in two constituencies. The uh, Ikean meatball. Ikea meatball. It's got no meat in it. little vegetarian meatball, I suppose. Uh, The boy of 12, boasting of going to court. He's got an ASBO. He doesn't care less. His mum's as vile as he is. So, like mother, like son. BA cutting air mile points for economy flights... And uh, the mum told to take the trinkets from the baby's grave. Pink, they say, is too over the top. It's not good enough. And Boris Johnson, who's blast jihadists as porn-obsessed men who can't attract women. I think that would probably sum it up quite well, wouldn't it, really? And uh, more of your texts and emails. Julie Walters turning down Downton. The reason it... You won't believe this. The reason is, she said, I don't want to play somebody downstairs. I want to be somebody upstairs. I don't play downstairs, I play upstairs. And I thought, well, you played Mrs. Overall. So, come on, how much more downstairs can you be? I thought she'd been ideal downstairs. Ruby, come on, Ruby. She could be good like that, couldn't she? I don't think she's going to be posh enough for upstairs. I don't think so. I'm probably doing the poor woman a disservice. Uh, I, I worked... In the Ritz bar, says Richard, for many years back in the 80s. Every time the Queen Mum came in for lunch or dinner and walked through to the restaurant, the whole bar in the Palm Court would stand for her. Still gives me goosebumps. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. She kind of earned it, didn't she? The Queen Mum earned it. And that's why I think uh, today, with the uh, the pomp and the, the, uh, the ceremony that's going to go with Winston Churchill 50 years on, and the sight of that boat coming back up the river with members of the family on, that's going to do it, as far as I'm concerned. Interestingly enough, the crane drivers said on a, a documentary a short while ago, the producer was telling me, that they were paid to drop the cranes down. Because otherwise, how would you know to do it? They wouldn't have been working that day. They'd have been standing in line somewhere, the same as everybody else did. People in the country, you couldn't hear anything. You just hear the, uh, the, the, uh, the stuff on the horses, you know, jangling away, all the bits and, uh, and the bobs and all the rest of it. But it, it, that was the moving bit, the cranes, wasn't it? Now we know they were paid. I'm sort of kind of thinking to myself, perhaps it... No, I liked it anyway. What the hell? I liked it. So to see the boat come back... I think that will be that'll be very, very interesting. Fifty years old that boat is now. Fifty years. Bring back a lot of memories for a lot of people. Lot of people. Uh June says, uh, when we lost Dad, uh we were told quite categorically that we could not edge or decorate the plot, only erect a stone. Well, that wasn't what we wanted, so Dad was buried elsewhere. The plot cost a lot more as edged plot cemeteries are harder to keep maintained. Unfortunately in death. Just as in life, you pays your money, you takes your choice. I know that everyone is told conditions of the cemetery prior to accepting a plot. So she has almost 3,000 signatories. I expect that if they were as selfish and undignified, others could get more to support the contra-argument. Yes, I mean, it, it is odd, isn't it? It's, you know, death is such an awful thing. 
I mean, it's the only thing we can guarantee in life. It's the only thing that's going to happen to all of us at some point. Every time you read of sort of somebody going, you think, I wonder if I'm going to go quickly or if I'm going to go slowly. I think probably quickly be better. I've always wanted to go on air, to, to actually sort of pass away on air. I think it's going to be quite exciting, just for the inconvenience. <laughs> uh, guess where I am, says Jackie. Nine weeks, no sleep at all last night. Karen from North Swindon's driving to Kent to see me today. Brilliant friend. Where is she? She's still in hospital. Nine weeks. She's been in hospital all the time. I keep thinking she's obviously taken residence. She's obviously sort of taken over a bed and quite likes being in there. No, she doesn't. She wants to get out. Kidlington is just north of Oxford, and whilst on the subject of Churchill, not all that far from Blenheim Palace, says David in Crouch End. Thank you. Don't forget, I've got this website for you this morning, and I'm making you wait deliberately. I'm doing it deliberately, I'm afraid, because uh, it's such an important website. It's for, for fans of LBC, and I looked at it yesterday. And it's got pictures from over the years, pictures of the early studios, pictures of the people who worked there. Luckily, everybody's named. Everybody's named and shamed on there. There's a great picture of me sitting on a desk with hair. With hair, I ask you. Goodness sake. So uh, get a pen and a piece of paper, and I will give it to you very, very shortly. I promise you. Uh, Pauline says, I get very irritated by the naffness of graves. Driving past the cemetery, seeing the hideous glow in the dark, uh, annoys me intensely. Actually, the funny thing is, that doesn't... That doesn't annoy me as much as other things on graves, but th- there's lots of them now with built-in little solar panels. So if you go past a grave at night, you know, you really... I'm surprised, actually, that Yvette Fielding from Most Haunted, or Most Fraud, as I prefer to call it, hasn't been to a cemetery, and so oh, there must be loads of people wanting to talk to her there. She seems to find them in the most peculiar places. She doesn't, of course. Uh, there is a plaque on a fence of the local reservoir commemorating a teenager who died in a joyriding accident decorated with hideous artificial flowers. I'd be mortified, said Pauline, to advertise this event to anyone were it to be my loved one. If we all had plaques where our loved ones died, the world would be very untidy. Can you imagine a hospital ward covered in memorials? You do see, though, don't you, by the side of the road, bunches of flowers. People have placed bunches of flowers there. And I always think that must be an accident. That must be an accident. That's why people have actually done it. But I agree with you. Plastic flowers just shows sort of lack of respect, I think, for the person. Imagine. I mean, just I mean, absolutely dreadful. Plastic flowers anywhere. Uh, Bridget says, I've just looked outside and we've got heavy snow in Hertfordshire. Oh, dear. She says, and a good covering on the ground. Great for driving to work. The one word you've missed out is not. Uh, Russell says, snow, pardon me, snowing in Biggin Hill. Not too bad, though. I don't think it's coming down here, do you? I think we'll get it in London. A bit too warm, isn't it, really? Should we have a quick check on the, uh, on the weather? Just in case, wait a minute. Um, one here that says, uh, Steve, it's snowing. Somebody else from Hertfordshire saying it's snowing down here as well. I'll give you the weather in a moment. I'm just waiting for that to sort of drop into my inbox. And I shall tell you exactly what the, uh, what the weather is for today. I think it's not going to be as bad as, uh, as a lot of people up north have had it. And it has been particularly bad up north for a lot of people. Let's see what we, we were saying at, uh, at four o'clock this morning. Wintry mix of sleet or snow showers. It'll turn to rain. Uh, dry by this evening. Brisk winds throughout. So I think that, that should disappear. Tonight, cold. Oh, six, six degrees is the high today. Six degrees. Cold with clear spells, giving frost and icy stretches. Mainly dry start. Then wintry showers developing after midnight. Oh, God. Does that mean we're going to wake up tomorrow and your garden's going to look as good as everybody else's? And the roads are going to be horrible. And it's those little side roads, isn't it? And you know you're going to slip slide about all over the place. 
Not so good, is it? Not so good. So we've seen the way it is up north. They've had to close down railways and they've closed down all sorts of places. All sorts of places. And you think to yourself, we don't really want... One half of me wants it and the other half of me doesn't. And the half of me that doesn't is talking to you this morning. Because I've decided I don't want to... I don't want to go home covered in snow, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Bianca Gascoigne. In the bid to be the new Peter Stringfellow, dragging out her torturously 30 seconds of fame. Yes, the woman with no discernible talent, but at least she hung on to the Gascoigne name. Otherwise, she'd be Gascoigne. Who are you? And uh, she, she's tried it all. She's tried everything. Uh, she's spoken about him on This Morning. Uh, she's been with Callum Best on Love Island. It's, it's a really a tortured, vacuous existence. Uh, then she presented Big Brother's Big Mouth. She wasn't much cop at that. Then she went on Coach Trip. Then she tried to sing on The X Factor. And um, and then in 2014, she introduced us to her fiancé. And uh, now she's running a strip club. So it's a, it's a really vacuous existence for a girl with no talent at all for doing anything. I mean, the singing was just pitifully awful. But never mind, it's the best she can manage. So there you go. Blizzards for the next six days, say the sun. David Platt, living up to his uh, slippery reputation as blizzards brought chaos to the country. Uh, there's also a disabled lad. He makes all the papers today. Why does this lad make the papers? Because he's in a wheelchair. His name's Troy Hitchens. Troy Hitchens was drinking upstairs in a bar with pals when the duty manager of this bar said he could only stay if he could stand up. That's because the cerebral palsy sufferer needs sticks to stand. Two security men were ordered to carry him down. He's a wheelchair basketball player. He was left disgusted and humiliated by his ordeal in Birmingham. At the King's Head, he accused the pub of discrimination, saying, I felt like a piece of furniture. The trouble is, the, the danger is, and I can see the danger here, Troy, I mean, surely you can see this, you're upstairs in a bar with stairs, you're in a wheelchair, a fire breaks out, you're going to get trampled underfoot. You know, they have to cover themselves, because otherwise people will be suing left, right and centre. I mean, the bar's general manager has apologised for any ill feeling. He says, as I, I confirm that the decision was based on safety grounds, and the Troy's party were informed they could use the downstairs bar, which they did. So there you go. It's a bit of a non-event, isn't it? Listen, you know, we're worried We're worried for your safety, Troy. Don't turn round and try and accuse them of discrimination when you shouldn't have been upstairs in the first place. Packed bar, drinking, you know, you're in a wheelchair. No, far too dangerous. Downstairs, fine. No problem at all. Don't, don't make a problem where there is no problem, OK? That just makes you look silly. And so you had a drink downstairs and everybody was absolutely fine about it. Otherwise, I start thinking, you know, perhaps are you waving the compensation thing or something like that? I've been discriminated against. You're in a wheelchair. You're upstairs. They've got to think of their licence, of their insurance and of their other customers. So there you go. I see that thug rapper Dappy, known as real Dappy Dappy Doodah, isn't he? He's so stupid. It's not, uh, it's not even possible to try and work out what mentally is between his ears, apart from clouds. Anyway, he's, uh, he's dodged jail again, despite flouting his probation. A judge chose not to activate a suspended jail term and told him instead, shape up and behave. He's just a complete idiot, isn't he, really? Minutes later, the 27-year-old N-Dub star, who arrived at court with a packed bag, told pals, let's get out of here. You know, Dappy was given the suspended jail sentence for punching a clubber while serving another for spitting at two girls in a petrol station. He really is a vile piece of work. So back in court this week for missing a probation appointment. Not exactly busy at the moment, are you, sweet cheeks? Anyway, he's been told he will be locked up. What you did is a form of rudeness, he was told by the judge. 
the probation officers work extremely hard. Public money's being wasted. I hope you've learnt your lesson. He couldn't give a forex, could he? He just comes out of court smiling and laughing. You know, I'm glad you think it's funny, mate, because next time you're going to prison. I don't know why they didn't throw you to prison this time round. He gets so angry. You know, silly waste of space like that, you know. Dappy. I mean, it's not even his real name. Dappy. If you're going to call yourself something, call yourself something really, really stupid. And there he is, and he is really, really stupid. Uh, on the subject of your uh, your texts and emails, a lot of snow seems to be falling about all over the place. All over the place at the moment, which we don't mind. And uh, 84850. I went to Joe Allen's last week, says Keith. They showed me where you sit. Don't tell fibs. I sit all over the place. Um, what have we got this week? Oh, actually, just after, uh, just after the news at 5.30, we've got uh, two clips from In Conversation this week, and it's going to be Phil Spencer, and who else we got this week? Who else we got this week? Helen Lederer. Hilarious. Hilarious. Helen Lederer, absolutely hilarious. She's got a book out. It's a novel. I promise you, you are not going to be disappointed at all. Um, really, it's, it's wonderful. And, uh, and Phil Spencer, good as well. So we'll have two little, two little clips for you just after news at half past. In Conversation, of course, is on Sunday morning between five and six, repeated between nine and ten of an evening. It's uh, quarter past five. 5.20 at seven this morning. Nick Ferrari and as the Met Police Commissioner, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, says that he thinks firearms officers need more training to use bigger guns that would tackle terrorists similar to those seen in Paris. Nick will be asking, should we actually be arming more of our police officers anyway? And 50 years ago, 350 million people watched a landmark event in Great Britain's history, the funeral of Sir Winston Churchill. Nick will be talking to his granddaughter, Celia Sandys, who has fond memories of her time spent with him. He'll also be asking, why don't they make politicians like that anymore? Nick Ferrari, this morning, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Vincent Moss, political editor of the Sunday Mirror, will be looking at the papers for today. The thug who battered a professor in his home, had avoided deportation despite a string of convictions, both here and in Poland. This is Oskar Palauszic, who was one of a gang of four Polish raiders who beat Paul Kohler so badly he was left unrecognisable. These pieces of filth were over in the... They didn't just come out of prison in Poland. Managed to wander here. They burst into his home in Wimbledon in August last year. The pain and the trauma that he suffered uh, suffered was was unbelievable. Almost left unrecognisable. One of the men... Uh, had just come out of prison in Poland for armed robbery and violent disorder. In the UK, he got suspended sentences for sexual assault, possession of a weapon, and then jailed for seven months, came out, and then went round and did this. These people need to be taken out and hanged. I don't see this. What on earth is the These people don't learn. They're far too stupid to learn. And anyway, they're, they're back in for sentencing at court today. They've admitted aggravated burglary. That's aggravated, is it, where you come from? Lord above. Well, let's, let's show you a bit of our uh, our justice. You probably get a suspended sentence the way it goes in this country. It gets more stupid every day, doesn't it? Uh, there's a healthy key diet to stopping disease. Uh, this is after a boy of eight died of scurvy. Scurvy. After his parents mistook his telltale symptoms for growing pains. I mean, you know, he hadn't been taken to the doctor for years. You look at a picture of his parents and you begin to wonder what planet they've come from. You know, it's absolutely awful. The couple had faced neglect charges for failing to seek medical help, but both were too unwell to stand trial. They don't look capable of supporting themselves, let alone an eight-year-old boy. So scurvy killed him. And the the way that you have... I mean, I can't believe it in this day and age either, because most people have some sort of healthy diet. I mean, the body needs a nutrient to make the protein collagen. So it's lack of vitamin C in the diet. Symptoms include 
Bleeding gums, bruised skin and wounds that don't heal, once known as the killer of countless sailors, but that was in the 16th century. The disease is now rare. Oranges and things like that. I mean, most people eat oranges, don't they? Or satsumas. I've got two in the studio. Two, I don't know what they are, satsumas or something. And, uh, and that's it. not because I thought I was going to get scurvy. When you look at these parents and you look at the state of them, and they'd not taken him to the doctors for years and he was sick. And he died in his father's arms. I mean, you just can't really believe it in this day and age, can you? Um, I love reading the showbiz columns in the papers because mainly they just turn out to be PR puffs for sort of something that we've either reported on this programme days or weeks ago, or failing that, something that they've been sent for in a press release and it saves them actually having to go out there and find anything. And I'm afraid they, they get worse and worse and worse. Almost like the state of our finances. How much is the average person in debt in this country? How much money do you think? £6,000. This is in the Mirror today, page 26. Apparently, Mr Average is £6,000 in debt. Which is I can honestly say, hand on heart, I don't owe any money. Well, I mean, I've got a little tiny mortgage, but I mean, that's about it. That's about it. I don't, I don't actually owe any money because I don't like... Years ago, I would have had uh, sort of agreements... That, uh, that meant that I'd sort of borrowed money for a car or something like that. But uh, not anymore. I own, I own everything I've got. I don't need to sort of worry about it. Well, that's, that's, that's the theory. There's no, there's no telling later on this year what it might bring. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, another one here. This is, uh, this is from, 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 from somebody else who's saying that we don't have snow where we are, but we've got rain. Loads and loads of rain spreading across the country, which is exactly what uh, what we've got, which is exactly what we've got in London. And uh, apart from Bridget having it, everybody else seems to be just getting rain. Billy in Essex says, I came in across LBC while scanning uh, radio as I was going to work one day. Now you know. And uh, enjoying it. I'm not surprised by the NCP story, says Kevin. Sam visited her mum in Plasto last year, parked the car park at Queen's Road Market, put the ticket in the side window instead of the windscreen and got fined. Ah. Oh, that's it. So if you put it in the, in the, in the side windscreen, you get fined, do you? Ah, uh, right. <laughs> not, not so great. Not so great. Don't forget, get a pen and a piece of paper. You're going to need a pen and a piece of paper. Uh, and I will give you this, uh, this LBC website, which has got... The, uh, the history of LBC, and it's got um, photos, and it's lovely. And it's, you'll, you'll really like it, I promise you. But I'm, I'm making you wait for it a little bit. Making you wait for it a little bit. Uh, no snow in Dorset, said Thomas. Only rain and strong winds. Feels like we're missing out down here. Oh, I mean, who cares? Andrew says, I finally finished and sent my tax return. Very fiddly. I, I don't know how anybody can ever manage it. I really don't. No snow in Winchester, just lots and lots of rain. And uh, snow in Biggin Hill, not in my road. Yes, I, I like the idea of looking at snow in the pictures. And if you look at the front pages of some of the papers today, front page of the mirror has got as Britain freezes. And it's literally a motorway which is ground to a halt with cars that skid about all over the place. Because even in bad snowy conditions, you still want to go out there, don't you? I wouldn't in my car because it's so heavy. You'd think that being heavy, it grips the road. It doesn't. It doesn't. You can turn corners and the back starts following you round. You've got to be really careful. Really careful. So, you know, just watch your speed on the motorways. Make sure you've got your lights on. Make sure you've got everything in the car because the conditions out of London look terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, more on the, uh, the boy who was kicked out of the pub, but he wasn't. They just put him downstairs and they've got the bouncers lifting him down in his wheelchair, which is very nice of them. Why don't his friends do it? 
You know, perhaps he hasn't got any friends, but he appeared to be drinking with them. But uh, they're trying to make some big, big deal about it, but it's not really a big deal at all. They were just doing it for his own safety. And, uh, and he couldn't be bothered to thank them, which, of course, he should have done. Otherwise, it makes him, a, makes him a bit of a meanie, doesn't it, really? Other front pages of the papers will come to just after the news at uh, six. Because they can't get Prince Andrew at the moment, and they, they've had a good, a good bash at him, they've decided to have a good bash at Princess Beatrice, who's uh, another one here, a royal scrounger. But there again, she's never actually done a day's work in her life. I know she had this job with uh, Sony. She had a £20,000 a year job there. I don't know what she was doing. I'm amazed that she could live over there on £20,000 a year. But what the the paper have done today, The Sun, is they've sort of listed everything. She's had all these free holidays because now Daddy's bought a place in Verbier. I mean, they're, they're quite clearly living in their own world. They couldn't they really couldn't care less about us at all. And I don't see why they should. But she gets everything. You know, on on housing, didn't quite qualify for a council house, but she got the use of a four-bedroom apartment in St James's Palace, uh, rooms at the Royal Lodge Windsor and her parents' Alpine Ski Lodge, which is lovely, in Verbier, which costs God knows how many millions of pounds. And they've um, and they've basically just pulled her apart, actually, from the paper that gave you the Wadfather. Here it is, shameless, HRHB, jobless, housing benefits, feckless parents, lives on handouts. Apparently a second attempt by Prince Andrew's accuser, Virginia Roberts, to make him testify uh, under oath about her sex abuse claims has failed after her lawyers sent a letter to the UK Embassy in Washington. It also emerged that the FBI seized tapes from cameras hidden in clocks at the Florida mansion of Andrew's paedophile pal, Jeffrey Epstein. Andrew and the Prince deny any wrongdoing. They had cameras hidden in clocks. What sort of place is this? Cameras hidden in clocks? Never heard anything like it. Mike Tyndall has complained that he and his wife, Zara Phillips, don't get anything for free. Why should you? Why should you? I don't, I don't quite understand why you think you should. You know, this is a man who, you know, I think Zara Phillips's mother, I think, has, uh, has accepted all... I think Zara herself has accepted all sorts of contra-deals. I've seen adverts with her in where she's been sponsored by various people. And Mike Tyndall... Um, I think is is also sponsored. She's sponsored by the likes of Rolex. And I don't know what he's done, but he says we don't get anything for free. Oh, shut up. Shut up, for goodness sake. Honestly, such a privileged lifestyle. And you say, and we don't get anything for free. Well, neither do any of the rest of us. I don't get anything for free. You know, well, I'm trying to think what I've had for free recently. Nothing. Oh, I got some champagne at Christmas. That was quite nice. And the manager bought me a nice bottle of champagne. So that was good. That was free. Oh, I felt a bit guilty now. Wish I'd not mentioned it. Don't forget, get a pen and a uh, piece of paper. And uh, we'll give you this, this website very, very shortly. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very good website. It really is, actually. I mean, if, if, if only for a bit of nostalgia. A bit of nostalgia. Katie Hopkins, as you know, is still managing to do her column for The Sun inside the Big Brother house. So when she sits down and writes it, I've got no idea. I've never seen her doing it. Have you seen... I mean, does she sit down there and start writing this thing? There's quite a lot of it. And it's the same old, same old. She's sort of back backtracked. I mean, she has admitted today she's shared a shower. I feel quite queasy. With Katie Price, who apparently can't lift her hands above her head. Why she'd want to, I don't know, unless she's committing an armed robbery. Can't think of any other reason. And so she's, uh, she's sort of droned on about that. Although, strangely, in The Sun, later on, Katie Price has accused Katie Hopkins of being two-faced. As little as that. 
I thought four, at least. LBC News Time, 5.30. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Mike says, regarding plastic flowers on graves, I too thought it looks cheap and nasty, but I don't consider it being disrespectful. Using plastic flowers on graves prevents people stealing them as they don't steal fresh flowers. Using plastic flowers lasts longer and inexpensive. They don't look great, but you're still paying your respects to the person that's passed away. Explain to me how giving a bunch of flowers to somebody who's dead is paying your respects to them. As a well-known psychiatrist once said, Mike, give flowers to the living, they appreciate them a bit more. But what is the point of putting flowers on a grave? They can't see them. They're not there. So what's the point? You're not paying your respects at all. Paying your respects would have been to sort of get them urgent medical treatment or something like that, you know. Or put money in there. Put money. Who wants, you know, plastic flowers look ghastly. And he says rats eat fresh flowers. Well, they drag them away and sort of make up their own bouquets or something. No, 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 I'm sorry. Flowers on graves, you know, plastic or otherwise, yucky. Really yucky. I mean, just a nice sort of urn. That's all you really need, isn't it? You don't need anything else. But plastic flowers, God. I did see, actually, we went to a market the other day. Where did we go? Northfield Market. And there is a stall that sells plastic wreaths for funerals. Plastic Plastic reeds, dear God in heavens. Dreadful. Anyway, in conversation every Sunday morning on LBC. It's repeated. It goes out originally between 5 and 6 a.m. For those early birds amongst you, and there are many. Uh, then I'm live on Sunday morning between 6 and 8 as we take a rather irreverent look at the morning newspapers. And then in conversation is repeated between 9 and 10. So I'm sandwiched in between uh, Clive Bull and Duncan Barks. So it's this week between five and six and then nine and ten. And the first of my guests this week is TV presenter Phil Spencer, best known to uh, you, I suppose, uh, from the Channel 4 property show, Location, 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 which helps people find their perfect home. I asked him how people managed to get onto the property ladder in London in the current housing boom. Property prices, I mean, I, I know where you live in London, it, it's quite pricey, mm. quite a pricier, but everywhere in London's very pricey. I don't it know how is. people afford to get on the ladder in the first place. Well, it's similar to, to you, Steve, an awful lot of parental help at some stage yeah. of life. But it, it's a very popular city, it's a globally popular city, and um, it's a wonderful place to live. And, yeah. and if you live somewhere wonderful, then um, tends to get popular, tends to get expensive. Yes, uh, but a lot of people now are buying second properties so they can rent out and then they can move, because a lot of people now decide if you move a bit further out of London, you mm. get a lot more for your money. Well, I think last year was probably the, the year where the, there was the greatest differential between London prices and commuter belt prices. Yeah. Um, but, and I kind of see that gap closing this year. I think the commuter belt will, will increase whilst London's likely to remain steady. I hear lots of people talk, well, we're going to move out because it's better quality of life for the family. Yeah. But actually, if, if the working partner leaves home at 6 o'clock in the morning and doesn't get home till half or 7 at night, you know, you've got a question, is that quality family time? Yes, the weekends might be lovely. Yeah. But you, as, as a dad, I might, if I did that, I wouldn't see my kids. Yeah, but you're lucky because you're not in a proper job, are you? <laughs> you're in a show-busy type job. Well, well it's I become show-busy. I do spend a lot of time travelling the country. Yeah. Um, this week I've been in um, Bradford and Essex. Next week I've got Bradford three days Essex. in Northamptonshire. Oh, nice. Um, you know, there, there is a lot of time on the road. You'll hear more from Phil this week. He's supporting St Mungo's. Uh, they're out there. They're trying to raise £60,000 uh, to help get homeless people off the streets and uh, to try and get them back on the road to recovery. If it means, you know, doctors and things like that, then they can help them. So you will find lots of people in London today 
uh, collecting for St Mungo's. They're, in, they're encouraging people to wear bobble hats in this weather. I think it's absolutely advisable to wear a bobble hat, and they're asking people to, to help them out and donate. And, in fact, they've got a, a website as well, which you can find on the internet, and there's details on there. Lots of famous people have donated their headgear, and you can bid for it. There's all sorts of people, all sorts of including Phil himself, who has uh, donated one of his hats, and then people can bid for it. So you get a celebrity's piece of headgear, which is very nice. So we wish St Mungo's. Uh, there's another bit that goes on the back of St Mungo's. I can't remember what it is. St Mungo's something else, because they've aligned with another charity as well. So I'm sorry to them that I forgot it this morning, but uh, they're, they're very... In fact, actually, I wonder if they... Uh, I think they might have sent me um, a text the other day, because I, I said the interview with, with Phil was so good and uh, so enjoyed it. And he's such a personable person. A personable person. Does that, that make sense to people? It absolutely does. Let me find this, uh, this text here, because then I can tell you exactly what the... Uh... Oh, no, I can't, actually. It seems to have vanished. But it's, uh, they, it's the Mungos who will be collecting on the streets today and trying to raise as, as much money as possible. Uh, they're only after something like £60,000, so let's, uh, let's hope that they can go over and above that, which will be absolutely wonderful. My other guest this week is the fantastic comedian, actress and first-time novel writer, and I love talking to her because she's another one of those who just makes me laugh all the time. This is Helen Lederer. So when she came in, I asked her if people recognised her in the street, and she had a rather surprising revelation to make. People think I'm their dentist. That's my... <laughs> I just have to kind of go... Because i got a face that's kind of strangely familiar. And if you think about it, um, we're all in little departments. None of us are that different. And you know when you meet someone, you go, I think you remind me of someone. Yeah. So we're all in and there's probably about 10 types. I'm just a type. And they thought you are the dentist. Yeah, and, I, and they go, no, I'm sure. No, sorry, I thought you were my dentist. I thought, uh, <laughs> could have lied. I, you wouldn't want me to be your dentist. But um, I think also just I've got people do stare um, to, even before I did the job. Possibly because I was quite fat, had hairbands. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just, or maybe I'm paranoid, Steve. Slightly. I the love your delivery, though, of every conversation I ever have with you. It's your delivery which makes me laugh. <laughs> but it's a madness. It's a slight closeness to hysteria that you recognise. And I've always been close to hysteria. And that's when I'm, and that's when I'm happy. We always say, every time she comes in, we just sat down and we did, we did spend a lot, a lot of time laughing. Uh, her novel is fantastic, uh, not just for ladies, but if you like Helen Lederer's humour, and you'll, you'll pick up on this one very quickly, it's worth uh, checking out. The full in-conversation interviews with Phil Spencer and Helen Lederer, uh, this Sunday at 5am until 6, and then repeated at 9 o'clock at night until 10. And I'm sure that both will be listening. I know that Helen definitely will be. She's a big LBC fan. She said to me, she said, I so worry about your health. I said, you and me together. Uh, Michael says, good morning. Pretty stormy here in Cornwall. No snow, but lots of hailstones. And it did snow in Newquay. He said, but I'm going on a cruise tomorrow, so it can snow as much as it wants. He says, uh, I don't think that you should shuffle off your mortal coil just yet. He said, I quite enjoy my insomnia. Yes, I think we've made insomnia bearable for those people who really can't sleep. And they lie there thinking, oh, Lord, will I never get to sleep. Uh, not on this programme, you don't. I don't want anybody sleeping on this programme. I think it shows a great disrespect. Uh, Dennis uh, says, thank you for keep reminding us about our tax payment. I have to do it because I don't want people to get fined extra. I don't want to give them any more extra money. He said, I had my e-banking set to pay mine on the 28th. Sure enough, when I checked in, the money had left my account, but it's not showed up in my tax account. So I'll have to ring them today, maybe pay by credit card, then they can refund me when the other money turns up. But where does it go in between leaving my account and reaching them? Getting a bit worried, says Dennis, as I don't want a £100 penalty. He's in Banbridge, as you know. 
No, I mean, you don't. I mean, I, I think it just sits in the ether. I never check whether it goes to the other end. As long as, I, as, long as you've got, you know, the, uh, the confirmation that it's left your account and it's gone to theirs and it's gone to the right place. It has gone to the right place, hasn't it? That's what I worry about. When I do it with my bank manager, she says, right, let's repeat these numbers again. So we just make sure we've got it absolutely right. Absolutely right. Don't want to miss out. I don't want to pay a fine. Bad enough paying it. Uh, little Julie says, no snow, just rain. And very cold. It's supposed to be cold, Julie. It's not, it's not pleasant, is it? I bought my little hat today. I shall go out there and I shall sort of suffer the same as everybody else. But I don't mind, actually. I like sitting on the bus, you know, sitting there looking like an elderly person. As I suddenly realise I am an elderly person. Right, I'm going to give you the, um, the website address in about four minutes' time. So go and get your, uh, your pen and a piece of paper. And this is a, a web address for fans of LBC. And it's got lots of history on there of the presenters and pictures of, uh, you know, different places over the years. So, so really, 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 you need to write it down because it's, somebody's put a lot of effort into it and, it and it works, works really, really well. And then just after six, we'll go through all the papers for today and uh, let you know why. Uh, is it Kim Cottrell here? This is, oh no, Kim Sears swearing left, right and centre. Swearing. There's something odd about sort of. I mean, apparently Princess Margaret used to swear like a trooper, like a trooper, and you can't quite work out, can you? You know why somebody would swear. women swearing sounds very, very odd. Uh, the country's biggest car park chain has been finding drivers putting pay and display tickets in the wrong place on the dashboard. Robert Halfen made the claim in Parliament yesterday as he called for an inquiry into the disgraceful behaviour of NCP, which runs more than 500 car parks nationwide. Daily Mail, page five. The MP for Harlow in Essex said he'd been contacted by commuters complaining about the actions of wardens at his local railway station. He asked William Hague, leader of the House, can you can contact the Transport Minister and Business Minister and call for an urgent inquiry into this disgraceful behaviour? I thought, once you've got a ticket, what does it matter where it is? I suppose, really, it stops them hunting around, doesn't it, in the cup? Where did they put it? Left-hand side? No, right up. Where is it? Oh, it's on the floor. Not much use. If it's not in the right place, I suppose you've got to be fined. Uh, NCP are fining, I think, £30 for people not putting it... In... Oh, it's a £50 fine now. It's gone up. £50 if you put it in the wrong place. So I'm only telling you because I don't want you to pay the £50 to NCP either. So just, just make sure. I mean, they do have markings in the car park. I mean, in theory, they'll have a board up with, you know, you must display the ticket here, you must do that. But, of course, who reads it? You just go into a car park, you get the ticket out of the machine, you put it in your car and you toddle off and do your shopping. But in theory, in theory, you are supposed to be reading the instructions and if you put it in the wrong place, they're going to find you 50 quid. And, in, and also, in theory, you don't have a leg to stand on in court because they've laid the law out for you. They've actually told you. They've told you. Oh, by the way, if you're thinking of going for a morning jog, don't. I know many of you weren't. I know many of you weren't, but some of you might be. Thinking of going for a morning jog, leave it until noon. If you leave it till lunchtime, that means that you're in peak performance condition. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think so. Well, you seriously believe I'm going to be feeling better in six hours' time than I am at the moment? I don't think so. I mean, to be honest with you, if I wanted to jog, I could, I could jog. But um, I, I choose not to. I choose not to. So uh, if you were thinking of going jogging, the Steve Allen advice is don't. Uh, chucking it down with uh, rain here too, Steve. All this talk about uh, snow reminds me of when my partner and I were coming back from my dad's funeral. We just got onto the M27 when it turned white with snow. You couldn't see anything. My partner didn't know what to do. Uh, so I said, uh, stick it in second so if something looms out of the snow, we can sort of do it. Uh, it was a bit like the Pied Piper. So they've got a trail of car headlights following me on the motorway. 
Thank you, Ian, for that one. Yes, I mean, driving in snow is, is pretty dangerous. Pretty dangerous. I can't impress on people. If you've never driven in the snow before, my advice is don't. Don't go out there at all. Uh, Linda says, snow at Great Notley near Stansted. Mark, the ambulance driver, very brave to drive as it's very slippery. I love the snow. Not dialysis again. Good Lord, woman. You must have cheaper to buy your own machine, wouldn't it? Quarter to six. A lot of people have written to me saying, how did the wheelchair user get upstairs in the bar in the first place? <laughs> Never thought about that bit, actually. I thought his friends could have taken him down again, but they appeared not to. Uh, Stuart says, looks like three inch of snow in Bishop Stortford. Uh, plenty of snow in Great Dunmo. I think we're just going to get rain in London. Seriously. Uh, we have to wish a very happy second birthday today to Matthew Collahan. Matthew is uh, two today. He's also the great-grandson of Pat and Brian Cooper. Actually, I spoke to Pat on the telephone the other day. Only the other day, because she phoned her son. And uh, they'll be going to a party tomorrow, says Maggie in Bromley. So there you go, Matthew. Two years old. No tax bills. How exciting is that? Uh, another one here says, I'm off to New York tomorrow for a week. Airports are open. Let's hope the shops are too. Yes, I mean, I, I think... I think everything should be great. Let me give you this this website. I've made you wait long enough for it. I thought I'd dragged it out long enough. This is uh, for fans of LBC. And it's... Uh, it's uh, they're, they're adding to it, Paul Easton tells me, all the time. And it's brilliant. It's got photos of presenters, uh, past and present. Some still there. You might recognise one or two or three. And it's got uh, photographs of the studios as we used to have. It's all sorts of things. It's a trip down memory lane. So you need to write down on a piece of paper, because I can't, I can't repeat this ad infinitum. Lowercase, L-B-C-I-R-N, memory box, M-E-M-O-R-Y, box.co.uk. So it's L-B-C-I-R-N, memory box, or no, no gaps, .co.uk. And that will take you to the website, L-B-C-I-R-N, memory box, .co.uk. And uh, I think you'll be in for some, ple- some pleasant surprises, especially people who are interested in the in the history of the, the station. Peter says, heavy snow in Wickford. Now, why do I know Wickford? There's some reason why I know Wickford. And, um, and uh, Paul says, did you say leave the morning jog till noon or June? Oh, to be honest with you, I just sort of leave it, actually. <laughs> uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Going back to the Katie Price story and her poor son Harvey being driven a hundred-mile round trip every day. This is nothing. He's, we've been paying for this for ages. Because he used to go to a school in Kent, and then the school closed down, <coughs> and we were paying for that. But uh, she's entitled to it. I think Nick Clegg supported her yesterday on LBC. I think he was sort of saying, yes, she's entitled to it. But to be honest with you, if she wants to ingratiate herself to the public and she's got this money, which, of course, she hasn't got... You know, people can't, you know, you might as well say she's got a thousand million pounds. She hasn't got 45 million pounds. She never had anything that's been that successful. Modelling pays diddly squat. Absolutely nothing at all. And most of the things she does are really for not big money. Not big money at all. I remember telling you there was a story in the Sun, double page spread, how much? Under 10,000 pounds. So there's no way she's got 45 million. It's just not possible at all. And of course, the, uh, the more children she has, the more it must be costing her or us. Although I still ask the question, why is Dwight York not paying for his son? I would like to know that question. It's not difficult. Not difficult. Why can't people go and sort of bang on his door and say, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you contributing to your son here? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, there's a, a lovely story here of, um, of a little baby. 
Uh, he's, uh, he's 12 weeks old. I think he's 12 weeks old, something like that. And he is the son of Rachel Gibson. His name's Zane. And he was... His, his, his mum was warned by the doctors that he might have Down syndrome. And so... And I tell a lie, he's, he's three. No, sorry, she's a mum of three. And uh, she said it was a little bit worrying. We were told that he was at high risk of being born with Down syndrome. And it only goes to show that sometimes doctors can be wrong. And he's a bouncy little boy. He's a bouncy, happy little soul. I love it when you get pictures. I don't think I've got any pictures of me as a baby looking happy. Oh, are there? I can't remember, actually. You'll probably find them on the LBCIRN website, I should imagine. And uh, <laughs> Always interesting. More on this story. Some of the papers are running stories that we did a couple of days ago. Do you remember the Frozen show? That uh, turned out one of the princesses was revealing a little bit too much on the stage. And all the mums paid for this thing at a children's party. And uh, some of them were very disappointed. It was £17 a head. And, uh, and they said here that the, the, the costume showed uh, one of the princesses spilling out. Which is a bit unnecessary to party like that. Let it go, let it go. You know, the song that drives everybody mad. I love singing it. Drives people completely crackers. Perfect kids' parties, said lessons had been learnt, after a minority of customers complained. Yeah, in other words, can you dress your uh, your actors better? I think, please. That'd be rather nice. I like the idea of Ikea having meatballs that have got no meat in. What would you call them if they weren't meatballs? And so this is suitable for strict vegans who shun all animal products. As far as I'm concerned, if you're a vegan, go eat somewhere else. Why should we have to pander to vegans? It's bad enough having to cope with vegetarians. They've sold 11.6 billion meatballs in the UK since they opened in 1987. I love meatballs. Meatballs, mashed potato and onion gravy. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? That's what I call a real winter warmer. A real winter warmer. And uh, they apparently... Oh, they do them with chips as well. Oh, God, that's even... Who wants the mashed potato when you've got chips around? They're very popular... In fact, they're so popular, the company sells packs of frozen meatballs for customers to enjoy at home. <laughs> so you can take that whole experience home with you. Look, we're having the IKEA experience. Can we have pizza? No, you're having meatballs. 84850, Um I like the idea that the, the veggie ball doesn't have any animal content, which is good. IKEA's meatballs, you remember, were briefly withdrawn when they became a casualty of the horse meat scandal. Which, of course, we've all forgotten about now, haven't we? Forgotten about the horse meat scandal. What if it's crept back into the food chain? I should imagine it probably has. Because you're supposed to forget about these things. And go, oh, no, don't, it doesn't matter, really. It doesn't matter. It'll never, so, you know, that, that'll never happen again. Of course it will. Of course it will. Because it's greed and money. British Airways have anchored a lot of people, I'm afraid. Because they've slashed the number of air miles points they award for economy class tickets. So travellers in the cheaper seats will have their entitlement cut by 75%, while points awarded to those in first and business class will be increased by up to 300%. They're trying to get you out of the cheap seats and into the expensive seats. I've got a friend of mine who can juggle all of her flights so that she gets at least two or three or four free flights, which is not bad. I went once with Virgin, twice, and they're constantly bombarding me with, you know, would you like to fly with us? And I keep thinking, I probably would, but at the moment I can't think of anywhere to go to. I wanted to do the Orient Express, but I don't want to dress up for it. You have to dress up to go on the Orient Express. You have to sort of... Yeah. Where? Necker Island. I don't want to go there. God in it. Why would I want to go there? I think I'd like to go to Canada. Canada appealed to me. China appealed to me. 
because I wanted to go to the Forbidden City. And, and I want to do rural China. I want to go, you know, I want to do the Great War. I don't, I don't want it to be touristy, though. I don't like it when sort of people are leering at you, sort of offering you a little model of a terracotta warrior or something like that. I think that's a bit naff. And I'd quite like to just go and for a wander around the Forbidden City and just go through all the hidden doors and go down into the tunnels that go underneath it, just so you can see what, what really went on. I mean, that, now that interests me. That interests me a lot. I know what's going to happen. I shall end up going to Southend, sitting on the pier with a cup of tea with the rain lashing down. It's the same every year. There's a boy of 12 in the paper today. His name is Justin Carley. Justin Carley's a bit simple. For a 12-year-old boy, he terrorised a neighbourhood with his appalling behaviour. He's now bragging he's going to be hauled into court for antisocial behaviour. How do you think he spells it? A-N-T-Y. Social is S-O-S-H-A-L. And behaviour is B-E-H-A-V-U-A-R-E. I mean, you kind of lose the will to live, don't you? I know. We know we've got thick children in this country. He destroyed the lives of residents. He abused and threatened them, uh, hurling dog dirt, kicking his football against parked cars and throwing stones at windows. He even cycled through a library, threatened to smash all of their windows. He sticks two fingers up to anybody and uh, uh, he also swears... Quite uh, quite badly. His mother's uh, as bad as he is. Uh, she's single, <laughs> of course, quite rightly so. Wrote on Facebook, I can't repeat any of the words, uh, every day there's problems with him. If they can't cope with him, tell me and I'll find a school that can. It's up to you, you silly woman. You're supposed to be the one who's supposed to look after your son. Badly, ha- badly behaved boy, simple mother. Simple mother, so he, he's, he's going to court... I don't know what you can do with him. Maybe we just put him into care or something. But people's lives have been a nightmare. Why should you have to be terrified? Why can't we just hold him face down in a puddle? You know, that would be that would be useful. And then send him home. Because quite clearly, there's no discipline at home, is there? Or anything like that. So people in these neighbourhoods have to put up with these little people. And, uh, and I don't think you should have to. I don't think you should have to. It's like the mum on benefits. She says, I'm being forced to look for my first job. That'll be nice, dear. As I say, get out there, try, try and get a job, try and be a useful member of society, because things are only going to get worse for you. Because once they cut your benefits, I don't know why you're getting benefits in the first place. Why is the father of your eight children, eight children, how dumb are you? Eight children, what's the purpose of these people? The answer is, there is no purpose. They've got no concept of anything at all. It's my right to have children. Not if you can't afford to look after them, it's not, dear. Let's take them into care. Let's see how you cope with it after that. All of that and more. And there is more, believe you me, coming up after the news at six. The drivers fined by NCP. You really must get this right, because if you get it wrong, it's, it's a £50 fine. Not so good. Prince Andrew resumes public duties. He's put all thoughts of anybody completely behind him, having a whale of a time. Unfortunately, his, uh, his daughter also having a whale of a time. Her, her royal work shyness. I don't think actually any of the family do what we call a day's work. Mike Tyndall is currently prancing around in the Alps doing a jump programme, hardly being a useful member of society, really. Uh, Boris Johnson has blasted jihadis as porn-obsessed men who can't attract women at all. Uh, Julie Walters turns down Downton. It's a bit beneath her. She wants to go above stairs, which I think she's been for many a year. And that boat comes back after 50 years. It's LBC. On LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday the 30th of January. You have paid your tax, haven't you? Please tell me you've paid your tax. We don't want to be fined £100. BA cutting those air mile points for economy flights. They want you to fly business or first. So they've cut them by 75% for the economy flights and they've upped them by 300% for the uh, the other one. The mum told to take the trinkets from her baby's grave. 
Uh, she's covered it with pink stones and the cemetery, the owners of the cemetery have said, no, it's not in keeping with our regulations. Uh, her royal work shyness, Princess Beatrice, apparently she quit her job with Sony. I wasn't aware she even had a job with Sony, but apparently she's taken three holidays in a month and she doesn't actually have a job, but she's got royal duties, whatever in God's name they might be. And uh, the boat that resurfaces after 50 years. That is going to be the sight today. That's going to be the picture. That's going to be the picture today. That boat coming up the Thames, the one that took Winston Churchill's body down the Thames, is going to be coming up the Thames after 50 years. The same boat with members of his family on there. I wonder where it's been for all this time, I wonder. The one thing I want to see, and I can't remember where it is, is Wellington's funeral carriage. It used to be in St Paul's Cathedral. It's huge. It's an iron monstrosity that apparently took a team of, I don't know, I forget how many horses it was to tow. It's like 24 tonnes. And it was enormous, and it used to be in St Paul's Cathedral. And, and then it went, and I can't remember where it's gone to. I think it was Wellington's gun carriage. But uh, that would be an interesting... I'm sure that uh, you'll know the answer to that. Uh, the snow chaos threatening to come south, apparently out in Buntingford, which we put on the map for today. They've got heavy snow down there. And Charlie Girling, lovely Charlie Girling, says you'd love China. They'd all want photos with you. Do you know, funny you should say that. That's a very odd thing to say, because my friend, who's got um, uh, ginger hair went out there and she said all people wanted was pictures taken with her. She's got all these pictures of her with these Chinese people. And and Chinese women and old men have got all the expression in their faces you could ever want. They look like old people. Over here, you know, somebody is 80 and they look about 50 because we've got the creams and the facial and the Botoxes. Over in China... People have got every wrinkle, every line, like my grandmother used to have and probably your grandmother used to have. So when my friend Helena went out to China and she did Forbidden City and the Terracotta Warriors, she said everywhere she went, people wanted to take her photograph. I bet they wanted to take Charlie's photograph as well. <laughs> Looking very much in the family way at the moment. Uh, let me give you that website. It's lbcirnmemorybox.co.uk. The lovers of LBC, of which there are millions of you, you will absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Front pages of the papers we'll go through as well, including uh, the story about uh, Julie Walters turning down Downton because she doesn't want to do downstairs. She only wants to do upstairs. Only wants to do upstairs because she thinks that's where she's destined to be. Whereas, in fact, I think she'd be absolutely ideal downstairs. I think she'd be really good in the kitchen, actually. She, you could sort of pad her out a bit and she could be one of the cooks. Front page of The Sun. Um, this is uh, Boris Johnson blasting jihadis as porn-obsessed... I can't use the word. Uh, ..who cannot attract women. Uh, Harry's perfect gift for the 21st century. Uh, this is loved-up Harry Styles. They say he's going to spend his 21st birthday partying with a model girlfriend. I don't think so. I love the way they put this out there, as if Harry Styles was the only person in One Direction, and he's the only person who ever goes out with girls, whereas, in fact, he just goes out with all sorts of people. He met her in New York, and they probably just go out and they have a piece of cake and a cup of coffee, and that's as far as it goes. And they say uh, he's going to celebrate his... Oh, she she works for Victoria's Secret. Oh, she's obviously got an agent who shares his agent or something, and she obviously needs the publicity, so that's why. Why can't they just go out with normal people? Because they don't go out with these people. It's just pretend, isn't it? And he's apparently totally smitten, even telling pals he's in love. <laughs> yeah, right. Telling his agent. What well, can we sort by this one? Yeah, I'm totally in love. Totally loved up with this one. Here's the exclusive from the paper that gave you the Wadfather. Uh, HRHB. Useless. Useless. No job. 
know nothing at all, lives in loads of houses, but she's learnt well. Mummy and Daddy were sponging for ages. Daddy doesn't really have a proper job. But uh, we were trying to work out earlier on the civil list. It is the most difficult question to get answers to. Years ago, there was a civil list which was published and you knew exactly who was getting what. Then they turned it around a few years back and... What? What now? What now? What's the matter? Honestly, it always worries me. I wish I had a curtain here. We just sort of push a button and a curtain comes across. <laughs> Makes it so much easier. Or perhaps a one-way mirror. No, on second thought, that's something different. And so, uh, so there was a civil list. So I go onto the internet this morning and type in civil list 2014. Well, they say, you've got a devil of a job finding anything, because it turns out that the Queen has been given a bit more extra money, and she pays lower members of the family. I don't think Prince Charles gets anything. She also gets uh, a percentage out of the... Uh, out of the holdings, because they own, the Crown Estates own, I think, 90% of Regent Street. You can imagine what that's bringing in alone, can't you? Prince Charles, very successful, very successful. They all own lots of things. Now, when I say they own it, it's not, they can't, they can't do anything with it, because it's owned by the nation, but they're sort of the, the trustees of it. So, when they talk about, you know, how much does Prince Andrew get, I'm assuming the Queen gives him an allowance. He's got, he's got property, uh, not that he owns, it's owned by the Queen. He had a house which he sold, which the Queen had given to him. you think he'd want to give the money back, but quite clearly he's got to survive somehow. I think the Queen is, is very much the person who holds the purse strings. She sort of pays for... I think she's got a bill for servants for £10 million a year. That's the amount of servants that they have working. But that's, that's for all the houses that they've got. That's for all that's so Buckingham Palace, Sandringham, Windsor Castle. There'll be lots of places. And I'm assuming that also takes into consideration some of the other places they use for, for state events. So £10 million for that. And I think she gets, I forget how many, about £36 million a year. And out of that, she then pays the lower members. So the civil list as such has been changed so that she gets the money and then she distributes it. And it's probably about an extra couple of million pounds to keep the rest of them going. But when you read the front page story on The Sun of uh, Beatrice not actually doing anything, they say, her royal duties. What royal duties has she got? Can somebody send me a list, please? of what Princess Beatrice does as a royal duty. Because, let's face it, I mean, as I said earlier on in the programme, if you were, you know, a school and they said, and you've got a member of the royal family coming and she turns up, you're going to be really disappointed. You're not going to be excited about it, are you? Um, other stories in the papers. This, this disabled lad's bar boot over fire risk is absolutely spot on by this pub. Spot on. You've got a disabled lad with cerebral palsy in a wheelchair in an upstairs bar and it starts getting busy and they say, listen, we need to take you downstairs because if there was a fire, who's going to get him out? Who's going to get him out? And his friends obviously stood by like complete planks whilst two bouncers lifted him down the stairs where I'm assuming the friends must have got him upstairs in the first place. But uh, never let it spoil a good story. Daily Mirror, as Britain freezes... Not down here in the south, we don't... We're actually okay. I say down here in the south. I know there are certain pieces uh, of it uh, which are which are getting the snow. I don't want it where I am. I really don't want it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, uh, Ian Dale apparently said that uh, Katie Price is a smart businesswoman. She's absolutely no such thing at all. That's absolutely the biggest pile of rubbish that poor old Ian Dale's ever said. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know why he said that. Why is she a smart businesswoman? She doesn't come up with any ideas. People come up with the ideas and go to her and say, do you want to promote a lighter? And she'll go, yeah. She's a bit like David Beckham, only at the cheaper end of the market. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated. But uh, Ian Dale, of course, is slightly smitten 
bit of a waste of time, but there you go. He's sort of slightly smitten by Katie Price because she came in and droned on in that nasally voice of hers about her boring book. So that's the only reason. Not in my Christmas card list, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the nation battered by thunderstorms and, uh, and the freezing conditions and still people go out and they still drive badly. And the Daily Express have got a picture of a, of a shopper struggling through the heavy snow in Rotherham. What is it with people who want to go out shopping when the snow comes down? Why don't you just stay in? I mean, do you need to go shopping? You know, I've got to cross the road. I've got to go out there. And, and luckily, there's a photographer waiting to capture today's numpty who's walking up and down the road, quite clearly from Marks and Spencer's, because she's got one of their bags with her little umbrella up. Because otherwise, she's going to get sort of covered in snow. The Daily Star benefits mum of eight. Why should I work? Because we're going to take your benefits away, dear. Simple as that. You need to get out there and work. I'm not paying for you for the rest of your life. It's your problem. Get out there and work and support your children. Why should everybody else have to pay for your children? Uh, the police are going to question Perez Hilton over his face-licking sexual harassment of Katie Hopkins if he gets the boot tonight. Load of old rubbish. Why, would, why have the police been remotely interested in that? It's a celebrity joke game. They go in there, they all hate each other, and they promise this and promise that. Who cares? Why on earth would the police be getting involved? They must have better things to do, surely. Please, God, they have. 6.15 is the time. Steve Allen on LBC. 6.20 is the time. 30th of January, it's the Friday. The snow's coming down, not in London. We just got rain, I'm afraid. Over in uh, Adelaide is Nuria, who listens to the programme. She said it's uh, sunny and warm. Everybody is now hating you, I'm afraid. Everybody's hating you over here. Mark says, thank you for the LBC Memory Box website. Don't thank me, thank Paul Easton. And Chris says, the only advantage to an early start is I get to listen to Steve Allen. And uh, some great memories for, for Scally Ranks as well. And um, um, Steve Allen, Steve, uh, sorry, somebody wrote to me saying, Katie Hopkins' friends in the house are Americans. Get this British public-loving fake out immediately. Yes, I think so as well. I'm sick to death of them putting Americans in, uh, in programmes. My friend Helena is in the car. She's, got, she's just changed her car. And every day she has to phone me from the car because she's got a really good inbuilt telephone system in there. I was just talking about you a moment ago, Poppet, telling people that when you went to China, everybody wanted to take your photograph. Because Charlie Girling said, if I go to China, people will want to take my photograph. So it's obviously a thing about Western people that people want to take your picture. I could be quite flattered. People standing around taking your picture. Kevin the Milkman says, um, my uh, daughter goes to Forest Hall School in Stansted. Sounds like she'll not be in today. That'll make her weekend. Kids love it, don't they? The moment the weather gets bad and you go, well, I don't think you'll be going to school today. They go, really? Oh, that's a hardship. That's a hardship. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. And Belvedere in Kent, says Cassie, we've had a few flakes of snow. We'd like a little bit more. Yes, well, well you can have it, but just not at this precise moment in time. Oh, I've lost my... Um, oh, crikey. Sorry, I've, uh, I've lost my, uh, my emails for today. Front of the, uh, the Daily Mail, how yoga can change your life. Isn't yoga the most boring thing? Is it just me that thinks yoga is really dull and uninteresting? Uh, the March of the Migrant Voter, two seats... Two seats will be contested at the general election where the majority of voters were born overseas. So in a historic development, more than half of those eligible to vote in London's East Ham and Brent North seats were born overseas. First time people born abroad in the majority in two constituencies. That's never happened before. Prince Andrew, obviously having a whale of a time. It's just hilarious at yesterday's naval ceremony. I can't remember the last time he actually went on board a warship or did anything there. But uh, he served as a pilot for more than 20 years and now holds the rank of Rear Admiral. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not too sure whether they just hand these things out like uh, like dolly mixtures. And he was handing out wings to people the other day. 
at uh, RNAS Yeovilton in Somerset. Anyway, last week at the World Economic Forum in Davos, he broke his silence on that uh, controversy. Yesterday, he seems to put it all behind him. Obviously, somebody said, don't worry, they're not actually going to get you into court. Nothing's going to happen about it. So uh, let's just sort of move on, shall we? Which is exactly what Buckingham Palace said the other week. Uh, front page of the Telegraph for today. Uh, Sir Winston, fully restored. And this is uh, a picture which was sold at auction. It's by Sir Oswald Burley. And it's from the private collection of Baroness Soames, the youngest of Churchill's children, and was said to be her personal favourite. And what they've done is they've now taken away a yellow film caused by, they say, Churchill's cigar smoke, carefully removed. She died, uh, Baroness Soames, and they sold a lot of pictures, most famous one being the picture that he painted of goldfish in his little pond in his garden. And it is, believe you me, a very little pond. Um, the picture... Uh, showing the wartime leader in reflective pose, was bought by Lord Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber buys a lot of art, a lot of art. He has a fantastic collection, but they don't make too much of a deal about it. And today, as we celebrate 50 years since the death, and we look back on what a great leader he was, I think he was one of only three people who did his war memories with the help of some researchers. I was watching a, a documentary on the television yesterday about him. But they're going to bring the little boat back, the little boat that took his body uh, down the Thames. They're going to bring the family back up on it. And that'll be uh, that'll be some memories, because there are some people listening who um, who were part of that, that great funeral cortege. Hard line on immigration could cost Tories the election and the wrong kind of thunder snow. Britain freezes from the top downwards. Amazing, isn't it? In Lapland, they can get planes in and out of the airport where they're knee-deep in snow. Here, we have what's commonly known as a light dusting, and the entire place goes into meltdown. Nobody can cope with it at all. Uh, Russian envoy called in after nuclear bombers crossed the channel, uh, even though they were escorted, I thought, by uh, British RAF planes. That's what I thought they were. Uh, Also, the big increase in religious slaughter of animals... Um, they say here the number of animals killed in halal abattoirs without being stunned first has soared because of campaigning by Muslims for traditional methods of slaughter. Halal and kosher abattoirs cut the throats of 2.4 million sheep and goats without stunning in the latest recorded year. Sounds ghastly, doesn't it? It really does. You know, whether you're an animal lover or not, and, you know, whether it's religious or not, you just think it must be awful for these animals, because they seem to... They just seem suffering, doesn't it? I've always thought that so much better to actually stun them first of all, but apparently because it's religious... You know, people say, no, we have to do it this way. I've lost track of the amount of places now have a halal sign. Most Kentucky Fried Chickens have got halal stamped on the door. And there's a Mexican place down the road from here, and they've got halal stamped on the door as well. Seems to be everywhere. Uh, Most men work late, and women skip the lunch break. Really? Not round here, they don't. Not round here. Most women have a lunch break. You know, people bring food in. Because there's loads of places now. Before, you had to go somewhere to try and get, you know, some sort of... um, some sort of food, but now it doesn't matter wherever you are, you just uh, you just sort of nip outside of your front door, and you uh, and you just buy food, or you got a canteen, anything like that. It's not uh, it's not difficult, not difficult. But some people, if you're sort of stuck out in some rural community, you've got to take your own food into work because there'd be nowhere for you to buy it. You know, the little corner shop doesn't cater for you, so people make sandwiches. Nowadays, though, you know, we have a canteen here in the building, we've got a coffee shop downstairs, and we've got no end of place. Good blimey, you could eat five star round here, easily. You could also eat zero stars as well, which is probably what most people tend to do. And most people eat as they work, don't they? They eat at their desks. Most people don't take the hour off for lunch. That you don't see very often at all. So wherever the snow is in your part of the uh, the country at the moment, 
it's a little bit uh, little bit difficult for you. If the kids don't have to go to school, they must be absolutely delighted. I'm going to be back with you on Sunday on LBC. In conversation between five and six, Phil Spencer and Helen Lederer this week, and then it's repeated nine o'clock at night. I'm live between six and eight on Sunday morning as we go through the Sunday papers. Of course, by that time, we'll be knee-deep in snow and I shall come in looking like Nanook of the North. Have yourself a safe weekend. Uh, have a nice time. If you don't need to do anything, just turn the heating on, if you've got it, Noreen, And because uh, she's got no hot water or heating at the moment, so we keep our fingers crossed that somebody might turn up today. You can podcast this programme. We'll have a free podcast up in about 15, 20 minutes' time and the rest of the programme details on the LBC website. Coming up uh, at 7 o'clock, Nick Ferrari for breakfast. Next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This 